0: Welcome to
1: the GNT show. All right, welcome everyone to another fun-filled week that is the GNT show where we cover the happenings and goings-on in the world of the NRL and once again I'm joined by my host with the most, a man who this week has continued his affiliation and love for technology by having every piece of IT equipment fail on him, G.
0: How are you going? I'm actually now actually just trying to pl- plug myself into the PowerPoint and see if I get reception. I've got a tinfoil hat after reading all the conspiracy theories this week about the vaccine that continue to come through. So,
1: Well, it's fair to say that our listeners don't know that you are actually known as Analog Man amongst our friends because of your inability to get technology working. And it's not even modern technology, it's things like calculators.
0: <laughs> no, I gave them away, they were too hard to figure out. So <laughs> until I found out people were selling them for 50 bucks a pop.
1: Just for those of you wondering why G has catastrophic IT failure. He has no reception in his house, either internet or mobile network, and he still has a Nokia. Let's, let's get on to the happenings and goings on of this week in the NRL. We're gonna do the show a little bit differently this week. We're gonna We're gonna cover the round 24 news, and then we will do the games of the week, but we'll probably go through them a bit more quickly than we have in the past, so under six hours. And then we will um we'll do a quick <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do a quick review of um the season that was the regular season that was 192 games I think I watched and you watched three so we'll have we'll have deep insight. There's the cat. There's Misty. She's made another appearance. The brains behind the G in the G and T show, Misty.
0: <laughs> she is. And then and I, then I'm going to sell her to the Tigers. They need they they need some um, ferocity.
1: She, she, all I can see. On my screen is your cat. It, it feels like that. It feels like that video. I'm not a cat. I'm not a cat.
0: <laughs> she's what she's it actually like. taken over.
1: She's your cat. I'm doing this pod, looking at your cat licking itself.
0: Move on. Go okay,
1: on. Okay. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is. These are the conditions I need to work under each and every week. This is
0: the great thing about that is the tigers were licking themselves while the bulldogs were running past them on the weekend. Fantastic to watch.
1: Not the way your cat's licking itself. Let me tell you. So then, then. then <laughs> Then, oh my God, it's really going for it. I can't look at the screen. (laughs) Then we'll cover cover the teams that have been eliminated. (laughs) We'll cover the team. And what next for them before our preview of week one of the finals? So um, what a way to kick off the show. Gee, should we talk about the retirements that happened during the week and the player movements first? Of course. Yes. So so I'll do them all in one go um, because there is one in particular I do want to talk about. So in terms of player movements, first there's been a whole host of players that haven't been re-signed at every single club. But two players that have announced their next moves is Will Hoppowadi and Curtis Sirinen, who are going to St Helens in the super league. Tarek Sims has been asked to look for a new club. Yes,
0: r- after being the r- captain, yep.
1: Well, I've got, I've got my views on this and it might surprise you. Russell Packer and Josh Morris announced their retirement and Matt Checken, the referee, announced his retirement during the week as well. And of course, the other movement is not a player but a coach. Anthony Seabold is going to go onto Eddie Jones' coaching staff for England in the rugby
0: an interesting move, that one.
1: I think he suits rugby. Not a lot of the defensive coaches in Rugby Union actually come from Rugby League. Phil Blake's a good uh, Rugby Union coach, and a lot of them do the defensive structures that are adopted from Rugby League. Anthony Seabell's a very, very technical coach. Rugby Union is increasingly more technical nowadays, so I think he'll be actually a really good fit. Sorry to
0: see Will widey go. I mean, look, he had his limitations at times, but as... A Bulldogs fan he always was wholehearted and most of the time gave everything he's got whether he he played well or not he, you couldn't ever accuse him of not really trying or giving everything you had to try and win the
1: game just just on just on will hopperwaty his father yep John posted something online today where he said he was um gonna shirt front let's say Trent Barrett now that his son's left the club
0: I am not an advocate for violence but I can understand where John
1: Hopperwaty's coming from we <laughs> What about Tarek Sims being asked to look for a new club?
0: I don't know if that came out of the blue. I, I thought.
1: Well, so what happened? What so what happened was he's actually contracted next year. Uh, his agent approached the club for a contract extension. They said he's actually, if he can find another club to go to now, he's free to leave. Uh, My thoughts on it, he was great in State of Origin, Tarek Sims. And he actually played really well for Saints for a few games after State of Origin. But largely, he actually hasn't been playing that well. And he's on big money. This is where I agree with some of these decisions, right? I don't agree with Josh McGuire, I don't agree with Andrew McCulloch. But Tarek Sims is not going to be in Saints' next premiership winning team. So you're building for the future, right? So I actually agree with letting him go.
0: You're talking about building for the future. But I think realistically, you just summed up the dilemma of Tarek Sims. He's built like a God, he's tall, he's athletic, he's strong, but let's be honest, he he can get himself up for those State of Origin games on probably two or three games during the year, but generally fairly ordinary for Saints. He had that great run of form a couple of years ago where he was dynamic for a longer period of time, but realistically you're always kind of hoping he reaches his potential all the time and he, he just he's okay. So, I mean, if he's on huge money and he's just okay, you could probably replace him with someone cheaper that's going to give you okay. So I get it from the Dragons' perspective, to be honest. Totally totally understand. You know, I don't think
1: many people would think we were going to come down on the Dragons' side with that one, but I, but I actually agree with what they're doing. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the whole roster thing, and we'll cover that off when we go through the teams that are... Um, Eliminated and what that means for them. Russell Packer's also retired. I mean, famously, he's got one of the worst contracts in the league. He hasn't been arrested like Lachlan Lewis for thieving money from West Tigers for the last three years. Yes. Look, Russell Packer is someone, in my opinion, in all seriousness, he was much maligned for his last two years in the contract. I haven't clearly put him on it. Tigers but he, he also strikes me as someone he, he probably got the most out of his talent
0: I mean when you first saw him you thought oh this guy could play okay but I never thought he'd be around for 10 or 12 years and you know I mean he did go to jail unfortunately during that time period as well but he he really sort of got everything he could out of himself and I think the last two years just haven't worked out with the Tigers with the personnel moves different coaches just personality clash by the sounds of it with um Michael Maguire so um his luck kind of Ran, ran out, out towards yeah. the end of his career, yeah And he probably still had something to add But a little bit of out of sight, out of mind, you know So he's kind of been languishing in the Well, not even the reserves because they haven't been playing But for the Tigers And, you know, I mean, he got he got a lot out of his career
1: And what about Josh Morris? He's one of your boys, I'll let you eulogise over him
0: I mean, really, he's, he he was a dragon and junior and unbelievably the dragons didn't want him and that's the only reason the bulldogs were able to sign him 2009 just unbelievable that season he and he wasn't used correctly for a lot of the time when he was at the dogs but when he was used correctly very awkward players both the morris boys like in terms of the way they run and the way they hold the ball and stuff like that but tall athletic very fast and incredibly wholehearted they give everything they've got every game and to be honest, it was a pleasure seeing him when he was given room to move and he put his body on the line every week and tried hard in every single game he played. So a fantastic career, very long career too. And, um, you know, mid-30s, they're still impactful, both him and his brother. So it's sad to see them both go, but in a way fitting that the Twins retired in the same year as well with the same team, the Roosters.
1: No premiership for Josh?
0: No, I think two thousand and two was twelve was the big, the big year and um, unfortunately the... Really, the Dogs probably played one of their worst games in the season in the grand final, so...
1: A game we're all grateful for.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not, but yes. Um, but fantastic career. Amazing career. Amazing him, career. For him and his brother, so...
1: And so, Josh Morris, good luck. Um, he's still got a few... He might have a couple more games to play with the finals up. Um, and Matt Checken announced his retirement. Now, the refereeing ranks in rugby league are incredibly political. Incredibly political, this is a bloke that only got three grand finals and, and, and four origins or something like that. It's something like that. Matt Checken, in my opinion, was the best referee since Bill Harrigan. And he just didn't, he never got the games he should have because of the political nature. Because his brother wasn't running the referees or he wasn't in with the right crowd. I'm sorry to see him go. I think he's quite a humble guy and he. he had a good feel for the game. So I thought he was one of the better ones, and, and I, he got a guard of honour this week at the end of the game, So, which was a nice touch, but it's sad to see figures like that go.
0: Look, I agree. I, I'm not sure if he's, I haven't really thought about if he's the best referee since Bill Harrigan, etc. I think.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, why would you think about it? Why would you think about it? You're only hosting a rugby league podcast.
0: Of course, but um, to be quite honest, um, I do agree with you. I think he's been one of the better referees um, for a long time. I actually like the way he sort of generally controls the game, and I think he does a great job, but... Uh, like you i think there's there's a little bit of that politics involved in terms of some of there's selections.
1: a lot no there's a lot of politics involved in it there's there's i mean bernard sutton and jared sutton famously one of the brothers was running the referees while his brother was refereeing the games i mean it's, it's yeah. that they can't be easy
0: ah, nepo- nepotism's around everywhere but not saying it's a good thing but i, I think you know matt checken is is a referee that we're going to miss he had a, like you say a good feel for the game and he, he knew what he was doing uh, And I'm um, quite I, I like Matt Checking He's got a good demeanour about him Wasn't really arrogant In terms of sometimes Some referees can be Especially with the mid, media attention Bill Harrigan for example And it's sad to see him You know leave rugby league Hopefully he still finds a role And he still wants to play a role In the um, with, with league somewhere
1: Hopefully I'm sure one of the clubs Will snap him up One of the clever of clubs course. Will snap him up
0: Or Queensland State of Origin He'll
1: get booted out Just before it starts Let's just call him um, Nick Nick <laughs> Politas <laughs> We'll snap him up. Well, they're, 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 they're progressive. I mean, we give them a lot of grief, but they're actually... There's a reason why they're on top, and it's because they do things like that. They famously got Robert Finch, who was a player for them, back after he was referee's boss. They do a lot of things like that, so... All right. Well, they're the retirements. There was also massive, not, not quite as big as last week, but there was a lot of news this week as well. Aaron Molan's defamation case against the Daily Mail continued, and there was, let's just say, um, articles on both sides. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. On on this one during the week, did you? What did that catch your eye at all?
0: I, I tend to keep away from some of that stuff. I think a lot of those things can be construed from both perspectives, and both sides will look bad and good.
1: Do you have splinters? Because I, th- I think the cat... Sitting on the fence? Yeah, the cat has better opinions than that. <laughs>
0: okay, fantastic. I'll get her back on. <laughs>
1: Can you get her back on? It was quite graphic what she was doing a bit earlier. Yeah,
0: th- those paws um, give the wrong impression.
1: One of my favourite news stories of the week was when when Trent Robinson rang Phil Gould and Andrew Johns to remonstrate about their coverage of the Luttrell hit. And Nick Politis Pal- giving... Uh, Phil Gould a call and Phil Gould giving him the cold shoulder so now Nick Phil Gould and Nick Pilates have been friends for years didn't return his call gave him the cold shoulder and then w- what also came to light was Trent Robinson and Phil Gould don't actually get along
0: I'm not surprised about that to me I get the impression that Phil Gould's great if the coach that he's a director for looks up to him I don't get that impression from <laughs> Trent Robinson to be quite honest you are my honest
1: opinion I don't think Trent Robinson buys many people's bullshit
0: this is what I mean like I think he's his straight shooter He's his own guy. I don't think he'd be the type of person he'd learn off Phil Gould. He obviously has learned off many coaches, but I don't think he'd appreciate sort of having to look up to him as a guru, if that makes sense. But um, I don't know Phil Gould. This is just my perception. I don't know if he likes that too much. I think he likes being the big man on campus, so to speak.
1: Well, I mean, if they lose the rights, it'll be interesting to see what Phil Gould does after that. Because he's part of what's wrong with the coverage. Whether you like or don't like Phil Gould, the fact that him and Rabs have been doing it for so long and the New Blood quite haven't quite taken their place.
0: I also think the Roosters are a bit stung now that Phil Gould isn't working for the Roosters and basically using Channel 9 to push their cause like he used to. That's what it used to be like, right?
1: It's still like that. Cooper Cronk is employed <laughs> by two teams.
0: Yeah, it's like Corey Parker. W- watching Corey Parker commentate <laughs> the Broncos games.
1: Yeah, I, 100%. Don't get me started.
0: Every player is the greatest youngster of all time. It's like, come
1: on. After man, the grand man. final, when we do our season preview, there are some cracking stories we're going to have to cover off them this year. All right. The NRL women's has been postponed. ...to next year. That means there's going to be two NRL women's seasons next year. One at the beginning of the season, one at the end. There's going to be all their games, their their State of Origin... ...and their National World Cup games as well, the Female World Cup. So it does mean they're actually going to play... ...somewhere in the vicinity of 20-odd games next year. And these are part-time players. Um, And they're going to have to play that season in summer. I I think they should have tried to make this work. And I'll tell you another reason that's, that's disappointed me... ...about the NRL postponing the women's... ...is you're either taking this seriously or you're not... And then New Zealand players have actually come to Newcastle. These are part-time mums, part-time players leaving their full-time job. They were in a biosecurity bubble in Newcastle getting ready for the season. And now they're actually stranded here to get back. They've got to do quarantine. New Zealand's not taking them. Like, it's all a bit of a balls up from the NRL here on the NRL women's.
0: I'm not going to blame the NRL entirely because the situation's kind of spiralled out of control to some degree. Gee,
1: no, 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 no. I'm not going to buy that for a second situation spiralled out of control. They managed to make the men's game work.
0: I agree with that. We spoke about this and I think the women's comp should have gone ahead.
1: If they've got a will, they should have found a way. This, it is not going to grow appealing to white middle-aged men that have always followed the sport, like you and me.
0: (laughs) Understand exactly where you're coming from. I don't, I think a lot of the women's sport by some of these major competitions in Australia, some of it, and I've spoken about this before, feels a bit tokenistic. Like, it's the thing to do. It's like, yep, let's have a women's comp. But when you see sometimes the the flakiness of that support, wonder, either you're, uh, are you really supporting it or you're kind of, supporting it because it's kind of the cool thing to do but then when you face obstacles you pull it out straight away so I, I think that stuff with the new zealand mums is terrible or the new zealand team they, they're kind of caught as part of this the, the covert stuff as well
1: and it's barely copped a mention in the press which is also not great uh, it's just this game i love it but it shoots itself in the foot so much
0: i do hope that you can there's an opportunity here for next year right we've talked about how they're part-time they're going to play a, a fair number of games how about you actually pitch in and actually supplement some of the team's wages and well, stuff? Well, that's
1: like- the other bit. That's the other bit. How are these women meant to, meant to play 20-odd games as part-timers? If this was the men's comp, they would have found a way to make this work.
0: And I think they still can. But I, am I sceptical a little bit? Yes. Well,
1: you think playing two seasons in one, having them play throughout summer, having them come and go from New Zealand, do you think that's trying to make it work?
0: No, I just think that that's what they're left with now. But I think they can turn that into a situation where maybe they almost put them on full time for a little bit and see how it goes. Well,
1: well, gee, I'm gonna, I'm gonna remind you of this. Your defence of the NRL, I'm gonna remind you of this next time they do something in the men's game that you're not happy with.
0: I'm not defending them. What I'm saying is, you that are defending the situation. Them. Is not really. I think the situation is there for them if to really show that they're trying to make this work. They've already stuffed it up. It's happened, right? And with COVID now, people are locked down. Like you say, they're stranded. There's all these other things going on. But if they're going to play next year, there's no reason why they can't support the women's comp better than they have this year and really show that they mean business by do, supporting Do you think we're
1: miraculously team. going to get a different NRL administration between now and February? No. Then why do you expect them to do that?
0: I don't think they will, but I hope they do. The opportunity is for them to fix it. It's there.
1: Oh, I couldn't disagree more. I think, I think this is a disaster. I, th- I thought the World Cup, not going to the World Cup, was a disaster. We're now, t- we're now talking about opening up with 80% vaccination, all that sort of stuff, mid-October. We're not going to be any different to the UK. People from the UK are still going to be able to come here. You know, maybe they could have delayed the World Cup by a month rather than a whole season. It was just, it was just. My- we've made a lot of myopic decisions.
0: Uh, I agree with that, yes.
1: Uh, well, I'll remind you of this. But let's move on to funnier stories. Further details emerged about the alleged Lachlan Lewis theft. The alleged, oh, may I say. <laughs> yes. Which started out as a balaclava, but then has proven to be a hoodie. Um, CCTV footage of him in a hoodie, stealing it. And then he got caught. He got caught by an official in the car park. And this official, yes. let's call this official G.
0: It wasn't in Belmore. It wasn't at Belmore car park. No,
1: it wasn't. But that's where you were thinking this is where the exchange of goods were going to happen. Yes. Yes. He got caught in the process of handing over the speaker to the courier. And allegedly, when he got caught by the official from the Bulldogs, he then was heard to say very loudly to the courier, I was not meant to get this speaker delivery today to cover his tracks, allegedly. (laughs) This is the most bizarre story of this year. It is
0: a bizarre story.
1: Can we just go to you? to give us a blow-by-blow account, a first-hand account, if you will, of what what transpired.
0: Can I just say, I have no idea how this even became a story. Like, what was he thinking? No idea. I mean, practical joke or not, even if it was a practical joke, it's a bit suspicious that the courier turned up to pick up that practical joke or deliver that practical joke according to one side of the story.
1: Gee, okay, if it's a practical joke, wouldn't you hide it? Uh, yeah, this, I don't know. Like, if it was a practical joke, did the courier make it funny? Was was the, was the fact that the courier would, like, <laughs> like the joker, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't funny until the courier got there. Is that what Lachlan Lewis was saying?
0: <laughs> yeah, he was sending it via Aramex to the Cronulla Sharks. That's a story I would have come up with. Just a weird, bizarre story. Like, I mean, what makes you think that way? Suppose misplacing the speaker that the team's using for music, no, no one would notice it anyway. I mean... <laughs> It's, just, it's
1: unbelievable I don't know I don't This know. story gets weirder by the week
0: It is weirder And look If it is what happened And like you say It's a bit—it's alleged Although there's there's quite a, few, a bit Of circumstantial evidence I hope it's not because Lachlan Lewis is struggling Or something He's on a decent wicket I don't know why He'd want to sell a $600 speaker
1: Who knows all right, let's move on to another funny story. Someone we've given a lot of grief to over the years, Dylan Napa, who's off contract at the Bulldogs. He, he was rumoured to be signing with the Broncos, but the Broncos said, no, we don't want him. But Dylan Napa was visiting his mate, his New Zealand Kiwi mate, Joey Manu who was was in hospital And what I love best about Dylan Napa Visiting Joey Manu with his broken jaw All sewn up, all with a plate in there He bought a bucket of chicken To share with with Joey Manu With his jaw Now that is good dark humour and then he proceeded to eat it eat it in front of Joey Vardu.
0: Yeah, I have to say that 100% would have been dark humour. So you know what, Dylan Napa? You can't tackle and you only turn up and play for a couple of games a year. But you know what? That's brilliant humour. That's clever. That is clever. It is that clever is a... too. And it's a story you'd always remember as a bit of a laugh. You know what I mean? So I, you know what? We should sign him up just for that. That's the same way we should keep Lachlan Lewis because...
1: Because wins don't matter at the Bulldogs.
0: <laughs> good speaker sales matters. And also... Um, the fact that you can wrestle at halftime during games and wrestle Cody Walker. I mean, I'd keep both of them. Brilliant. Can I just say, though, if you're not a vegetarian or a vegan, but everyone else pretty much loves fried chicken, right? But it kind of explains Dylan Napa's fitness issues, if you ate the whole bucket. I don't think
1: he's looked fat. Do you think he's looked fat? I don't think he's looked fat. I just think he No,
0: is. he's been fairly trim. He's just... He's st- look who knows his stamina is not quite there
1: yeah yeah i mean i just think but he's getting older remember like it's been a while since he's played you, everyone who goes through that a little bit
0: even an aging process by the time you're 29 21 you've got boundless energy and stamina 29 you've got to really train and actually keep your stamina at a higher level
1: and mate if the roosters don't want to re-sign you that is a sign to the other clubs that they've gotten every drop out of you uh,
0: yeah i would be very hesitant about buying any rooster that's actually been one of their first grade mainstays they've got so many many youngsters and talent spotting that you kind of would like to poach some of them a connor watson for example but would i pinch a dylan napa or someone like that i would be very wary with with the roosters because they
1: look at kyle flanagan and dylan napa
0: yeah they run their club very well and sometimes there's a reason why they're letting them go you'd have to really do your homework
1: my favorite story of the week g yes is the rumours about Trent Barrett and David Ferner not getting along. This was broken by Buzz Rothfield, who had very various sources within the club. Now, I don't think you need sources to see that Trent Barrett and David Ferner weren't gelling in the coach's box. All you needed to do was watch a game of the Bulldogs to know that the coaching <laughs> wasn't gelling. I don't think you need a lot of evidence to notice.
0: The only thing that's gone according to plan this year for the Bulldogs is the courier turning up to pick up the speaker on time. That's a it.
1: Yeah, Correct. And he was meant to go to Belmore Car Park, even that he got wrong. (laughs) Brilliant. And given the Adam O'Brien stuff, oh, Adam O'Brien, Adam Elliott stuff, and all the other stuff that's gone on at that club this year, the speakers with Lachlan Lewis, Dylan Napa and his bucket of chicken, you might have some cultural issues there, G. This might be bigger than just the playing roster. And we'll talk a little bit about what it means for them if they don't, when we cover off what it means for the teams that have been eliminated. So let's leave that for then, but... But there could, there could be some cultural issues there.
0: I think there's something's not right with the culture either All But, and I have my, my things are you can clearly see that, I mean, all coaches have their favourites, but Trent Barrett clearly has favourites. Like, it's very clear, regardless of performance, there's players that play every week. And if another player has a bad game, they're out the door or shifted positions or it does not build harmony at all. Because once people feel like there's this unfairness...
1: How many... Stories have ever been leaked over the years that an assistant coach and a coach don't get along. There was Don Ferner and Wayne Burnett in the 80s, and I cannot remember another one, really.
0: It's actually not many, so it must be quite bad for it to be leaked, in my opinion. Or, with what's happening with this Madge McGuire sort of news cycle, who knows what the... The true intent is, but it's for it to be leaked. Like you say, you think about all the stuff you rarely hear about the assistants not getting along. Like it's kind of a bit of a, a secret squirrel stuff with the coaching fraternity in the NRL, generally speaking.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's right. So it's it's it's, in, it's an interesting story. I was wrong. It was another big news week in the world of rugby league. Yes, first one they leaked in 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 the uh, bad ideas bucket. They leaked a story about another idea that they're considering.
0: Is Wayne Pearce involved?
1: Probably, but he didn't attach his name to it this time. This is about moving the final system... It's pain weiss. ...to to be like the NBA and have a wild card system. And the way it would work is the top six teams automatically make the semis and (laughs) teams seven through ten would play off against each other to determine who would be the last two teams. Now...
0: (sighs) There's only 16
1: teams in the comp. And if this year is anything to go by, teams 7 through 16 are shit.
0: What is the point of that? And let's be honest here, right?
1: To see (laughs) Saints-Knights... Jesus
0: I have no Number one Even the people in Queensland Who never get rugby league Aren't even turning up to the matches Because they don't care either. they would Look at the suburban <laughs> rounds, Right And The other thing is Like Up until the last round There were 9 or 10 teams involved Jockeying for a position In the 8 anyway So What are you actually adding Nothing Ridiculous idea Stupid idea The Raiders The Sharks And the Titans So that's the 10 Right And it went down to the last game Like what are you adding Stupid idea Dumb idea
1: Of course it is a dumb idea. I've got an idea, actually, and I'd be keen to hear your thoughts on it. I think we should have 16 teams, right? And when we want to expand, we can get to more. And then what you should have is have them play each other even amount of time so it doesn't compromise the competition. And then what you should do is take, say, eight of them at the end of the season for a final series. What do you think about that as an idea?
0: And that's almost what we've got now, isn't it? Correct. Great idea. I think that's fabulous. They play each other twice. They play C- each other yeah, twice. correct.
1: They, I think we should do something like that. Because I, I was going through the draw. Penrith, ironically, has had one of the tougher draws. They've, they've played 13 games or something against the top eight teams. Uh, and Manly have only played seven or eight. And the fact that you don't play each other twice does affect the integrity of the regular season, in my opinion.
0: It does, because the way they structure the league comp is hard. They don't play each other twice. But then if you play a Melbourne or one of the top teams during an origin series and that's the only time you play them. Sometimes you're if you're half decent, you luck out and you get, you know, you get a free 2 points almost. It isn't even. It's it, it's It wasn't it's, a
1: free 2 points for the Tigers on the weekend, was it G?
0: Well, luckily I finally tipped the Bulldogs. I thought, you know, why not? Last game of the season and it worked.
1: Well, and you you, you went on a tear through the tipping comp too over the well, last 3 weeks. I yeah, you you yeah. yeah, fourth last now i than that. No, mm. no. Actually, do you want me to show you where you, no, you are fourth No, I don't. have You are fourth last. You are fourth last. Move on. <laughs> Move on. I haven't looked. There's no point. Go ahead. All right. Um, I want to cover a ser- two serious stories. Yep. The first one, and I want to come to the West Tigers one last. The first one is um, there was a concussion study released by the Uni of New South Wales during the week in the Imperial College of London. That showed that players, even those that haven't been concussed, lost cognitive ability over the course of the season. So repeated head knocks that weren't concussions, but just repeated head knocks. Yep. This was done in both rugby and rugby league. Now, just to show you how seriously this is being taken, rugby's now talking about restricting contact in training like the NFL. When I look at the way rugby is treating head knocks and the research and how seriously they are taking it and how they've enforced it in their rules, I am concerned that as a sport, we're not taking it seriously enough rugby league. think that there's enough evidence now that contact in training during the week should be limited. I
0: think they are taking it very seriously. I just think they're not treating it as the priority it needs to be treated as. I
1: think they're listening to Phil Gould because Phil Gould's in the media and they don't want to get criticism.
0: There's always an element of that with the NRL.
1: Look at the, look at the magic round crackdown. The, t- the players would have yep. eventually adjusted. They would have eventually adjusted, right? It, it was the fact that they did it mid bloody season that was the problem, not the fact that they did it.
0: Yeah, but they're very sensitive to, and News Limited, let's be honest, they hammer the NRL. So you've actually got to be quite strong to stand your ground. 'Cause they're relentless, right? But the issue for me is I do think they are taking it seriously, but it's one of the thirty things they're taking seriously. I don't think they're devoting the attention and the pro- to it that it actually requires.
1: Gee, that's a real problem. It a Look at it's not. these aren't two bit organisations, these are researched and, and, and academic papers yeah. by the Union of New South Wales yep. and the Imperial College of London. This is not This is in your sport and in rugby. And rugby is getting together, re-looking at the rules. They've got these clear guidelines around concussion. So the other thing that they said was six days is not enough. The six-day protocol. If you've been concussed, you you shouldn't be allowed to play for 14 days. There's all this stuff that was in the research that we are not... We are nowhere on.
0: If you read the NFL stuff from way back and all of...
1: But you don't have to read that. They have done research specifically into the sport.
0: Correct, right? But what I mean is that those repeated head knocks, regardless of whether you get concussed, actually is what causes some of the damage. It's not just the concussion. It's the, the shaking of the brain when you get hit. NRL players, they kill each they kill each other on the field. What, they what
1: are they going to do when another case like McManus comes up and they go, well, you had this research?
0: Typical NRL, then they'll treat it seriously with the priority that it deserves, right? So like I said, I think they are taking it seriously. The crackdown but it's one of the things they take seriously but this is actually a key priority for the sport they need to really you know really get stuck into this and sort something out and i think that something needs to be done about it because at the end of the day it's partly about the future of the sport but really it's about the health of the players that go out there and entertain people and you know what i mean
1: get them together in the off season you have a list of the five biggest priorities that are going on in the sport one is going to be the concussion issue absolutely behead. yeah
0: a hundred percent it is
1: yes you, you put all the facts on the table and you go this is the the way we're going to deal with it, and get them to buy in really early on in the off-season so that they can train the players. The issue Agreed, wasn't... Right? The clampdown wasn't the issue. The the no, issue was the Emperor came out in his toga middle of the season in their showpiece weekend and started poli- magically policing the rules from mid-season.
0: Yeah, and then disappeared again, right? Once Correct. Once there was a clamour for it to Correct. disappear. And that's what it was I'm like the penalty
1: about, count. Right? Remember the penalty count a few years ago when they did the yes. crackdown yes. on the wrestle? The
0: game change, yeah. which was great, and then all of a sudden... All everyone could talk about was, oh, there's too many penalties. They were just looking at the number. But they weren't talking about how the game had changed and it evened up the competition and allowed it gave players space. But they weren't even talking about that or discussing it. So this is the same thing. I think they are serious about it, but they always move on to the next thing until it gets ultra serious and they have lawsuits. And then they'll probably address it with the, I suppose, the priority it deserves. But I hope, like you say, they go in the off-season, they sit there, they meet with the players and go, hey, this is an issue from a health perspective, how are we going to sort this out?
1: You think they'll do this at the same time that they're going to be paying the women a full-time salary next no, year? No,
0: I don't. Hey, you're asking me about what I think they should be doing and what I hope they should be doing to what I actually think they will do, and they aren't the same thing. But if you but if you
1: don't think they're going to do it, then I, I don't know the point you're making.
0: You kind of hope they do it, right? I okay. guess as a fan of the sport and the players, you sort of hope they they sort it out together and sit down and construct the game that suits the health but also allows the game to still sort of keep a, a lot of its, um, its characteristics.
1: Actually, for, for our listeners, I know this is an NRL show, but if you get a chance, watch the Catalans game. They had their magic round on the weekend. They played St Helens, top of the table clash. Catalans came back with like four minutes to go. Uh, they were 18 points down and managed to get it in golden point. James Maloney kicked the field goal for them. Unbelievable. I was going to say, the James game. Maloney's team. He did, he did, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you worked out who he plays for. So if you yes. do yourself a favour, watch that game. Look, and the last story before we move on to the games on yep. the last round of games was the absolute hatchet job done by the Sydney Morning Herald on Madge Maguire. Um, right. Tales from Tiger Town, indeed. That was just a. Uh, A thinly veiled attempt at character assassination of Madge Maguire. And then all of a sudden today, they've come out Madge Maguire's jobs. I, I think Madge is a dead man walking. He's gone. He's gone. That was absolutely leaked by the club. That was someone at the club going, we don't want to have the finger pointed at us, and they threw Madge Maguire under the bus. For those that haven't written, it was an article, it was a doubleheader over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, written by Michael Shamus, who who spoke to 30 people behind the scenes about what was going on. They spoke about recruitment, about the Ivan Cleary, but a big chunk of it was dedicated to rumour and innuendo about Madge Maguire and what a poor job he's done with the players. I actually feel sorry for him that is indicative to me of a bigger problem. The review has to start at head office and the board. It's not a coincidence that the top teams are the best run teams.
0: You're not going to get any argument with me. I mean, that, and you've known for me for two years, I think Madge McGuire is a problem as a coach. But what they did to him in the last three or four weeks, it's, it's disgraceful. Like you read that article and at first I was kind of, wow, this is interesting. And you start to read through it and they're like, well, Mick Potter coached between 2000 and, and 2012 and he realized that there was you know competing factions okay then it moves on there's no context to anything there and then as soon as it started talking about the magic Maguire stuff it started to go into intricate detail about which players he's decided he didn't want which players he he actually wanted to renew why he thought we needed to let go one player then he, all of a sudden he's changed his mind then all of a sudden he's arguing with the dressing room there's parts of this like it was actually just a leaking of all the issues
1: that they see with the coach at- but without context without context the fact that Michael Checam was named that originally he wanted to get rid of him yeah. and now he wants to keep him but you and I gave you a scenario where you go okay I need a center Michael Checam's at the club he hasn't been doing well hasn't been training well I say, look, guys, m- perhaps we can get a better outcome. He's off contract. We can use that money elsewhere. You look at the market. Michael Cheekham starts to play well in his last three or four games. And you go, OK, I can't actually get a better ma- better replacement for that money. So y- y- that is that is a conversation every club would be having, you know. And, and there'll be disagreement. Of course, there'll be disagreements around players within clubs. What I object to most, it wasn't portrayed as normal conversations that go on at the club. They were portrayed as things that were centred around Madge McGuire that wouldn't happen At any other club And that is what I objected to
0: Absolutely The way it was written Was he's the one That was causing this Confusion with the players And he was the one And then all of a sudden It also alluded to I mean I've spoken about this He's got his players there Well come on Madge Where's the kind of improvement But the way they wrote that Was almost like hey we've given him the players that he's asked for and look at the results they're still really bad that's the undertone of that article and it's kind of like well it's just a total hatchet job literally throwing him under the bus the interesting thing was it's been followed up now by articles that are again like today i read something where they were talking about oh look you know the defense and there was no defensive strategy they're they're selectively leaking feedback information from feedback from players and the review and then magically, Cameron Seraldo just happens to be available. And he's a great defensive coach because Madge Maguire has no defensive strategy.
1: Cameron Ceraldo, by all accounts, doesn't want the job. This is the problem. There's a, there's a lot of people that don't want the job. I don't know who they get to replace him unless it's Wayne Bennett. And even then, Wayne Bennett's 71 years old. He's not up for a rebuild. He needs to go into a ready-made roster to win now.
0: But the way they've written it is really poor like in terms of highlighting uh, Michael Maguire's weaknesses and then saying well you know the coach that we kind of really would like happens to be great with young players insinuation he's McGuire Maguire's not and he's causing all the issues right and then on top of that you had Lee Pantelis. nothing's changed the Tigers were out of the eight a couple of weeks ago said no we've got to keep him nothing's changing now all of a sudden he's um refusing to speculate on his future and it would be inappropriate for me to to do so but it's not inappropriate for what looks like a leak from the club basically blaming everything on the coach. I mean, come on, man. And you know what? How many other teams have had a review with this context in the paper broken down like this? The Tigers are the only club that I've seen.
1: I, I feel for the fans.
0: I go for the Bulldogs.
1: Do you? I oh, know you don't. No, you don't.
0: Well, actually, I'm switching to Manly. But they've um been so bad for three or four years. I don't see a breakdown like this in the press about it.
1: No, correct. Correct. I, you know I'm what I mean? You. I like, hear why you. Why the
0: Tigers? Like... Absolute bull. It's the same with the Matt Dufty thing. Kind of ticked me off, to be honest. And, yeah, not good.
1: No, it wasn't great at all. I mean, poor Tigers fans. Well, that brings us to the last round of the regular season. As I mentioned earlier, I've watched 192 games this year. G has watched one. And that was against the Tigers this round. So I'm expecting <laughs> deep analysis. Bulldogs, yes, yeah. correct. I've got views on that game too. So let's go through these yeah. games quicker than we normally do. So let's try and keep it under yes. three hours.
0: Well, we're down from six. We're on a roll. Yep. Yeah, correct. Thursday correct.
1: Yep, Raiders right. versus the Roosters. The Roosters got up 40 to 16. The Raiders had a lot to play for, right? A lot to play for. They yes. win. They basically yeah. make the, the finals. And unfortunately, it was a typical Raiders game this year. They started well in the first half and Elliot Whitehead gave them the lead. But the Roosters hit back through Ikavalu. Eight-point try after Jared Sutton missed a Lachlan Lamb knock-on in the lead-up. The referee yep. wasn't great. Um, and no. I thought it was a bit rough for the for the, um, eight-point try. Although, I will say, the rules... That I do think Chan's nickel clock's that hit him high. I guess by the letter of the law, it is an eight-point try. But I, but I thought it was a bit rough, particularly given... I know Mike Acevo didn't get taken out high by Jordan Rapana a few weeks ago. But it was the same thing. A shoulder charge is a shoulder charge. You see those type of tackles every week. All the time. Well, so was it an
0: they point try? Yeah,
1: uh, justice was done though. I think Adam Kieran missed the conversion and then he got the one from in front to make it six all. Josh Pop, Josh Papali and Angus Crichton swapped tries before Val- Valamai dropped a bomb. Uh, he had a terrible night with his handling, and Kieran got the first of his three tries. Geez, if I was the Bulldogs, I could use with a you could use a centre like uh, <laughs> Kieran. Um, well, he I'm... wouldn't
0: have developed as he has at the Roosters. So fair play to the Roosters. Good pick up, and um, he's gotten better.
1: And, and Valamai dropped the ball five times. He had a rough night, really rough yes, night, indeed. five handling errors. Um, In the second halves, the Roosters absolutely dominated the Raiders' right edge of Ra- Rapana, Timoko and Frawley with almost all the tries coming down that side. Um, and Adam Adam Hutchinson and Kieran actually dominated the, the game. They were fantastic down that edge. That was the edge they attacked through and they were fantastic. Um, Josh Hodgson missed Nine tackles through the middle. Could it be Josh Hodgson's last game? I still think the Broncos are sniffing around Josh Hodgson because they do need a hooker.
0: I think he will move in the off-season, although they haven't really spoken about it. I just get that. Things aren't right, and he's sided with some of the players.
1: Yes, he's defended all the players that have left. Um,
0: yes, that's right.
1: <laughs> between the 18th minute and the 79th minute, the Roosters scored six unanswered tries. Um, The Raiders missed 47 tackles and made 15 errors. We'll talk a little bit about where to for the Raiders when we do the teams that are eliminated. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that game?
0: Raiders got off to a good start. I thought the eight-point trial was very harsh, but I also think when the Raiders hit back and it was 12-6, I thought Tupu's steal or lunge that he he, he sort of lunged at Bailey Simonson and sort of stripped the ball from him, I thought was a massive play because he was about to score in the corner and the Raiders could have been up 18-6 and instead... The momentum changed and then they just ran away with it. And I thought they put Kieran into positions to use his footwork and speed. And he's really developed. I mean, he played a couple of games for the Warriors. I think it might have been last year, year before, last?
1: Last year. No, it was last year. And last they, year? Yeah, they played him at 5'8", remember?
0: Yep, they played him at 5'8". You know, he did a, a half-decent job. But then they sort of parked him as well. But the Roosters have really brought him on and he's he's improving. And he adds another playmaker for them on the edge and it gives them a little bit of variety in the centres. Um, And that's about it. I thought the Roosters just had too much desire and eventually the Raiders hung on hung on and when they realised they sort of couldn't come back, they just... Yeah, they you know, capitulated. The yeah. yeah, they capitulated, right? But having said that, the try they scored right at the end to Harley Smith Shields went to through 12, 13 players it was a brilliant try and you wonder why when you've got nothing to lose in that type of game and you're behind you're going home for the rest of the year or staying in Queensland and going to the beach but throw the ball around like they did right at the end like the game was over good win by the Roosters they're undermanned but they still keep on turning up and yeah they the, the
1: culture's amazing there they're, they're the exact opposite of the Bulldogs all right let's move on to Friday night <laughs> the Sharks versus the Storm the St- again another big game for the Sharks Um, The Storm got up 28-16. Sharks had all to play for and they played well in the first half. Um, although it was 12 all at half time. So they, they would have been a little bit disappointed with the score being 12 all. I thought they were the better team at the first half. A 10 minute burst after half time, though. And this is how the Storm have been playing the last few weeks. They haven't been doing it for 80 minutes. They've been just doing it, 50, putting their foot on the accelerator for 15 minutes, blowing the team off the park, and then going back to playing average footy or getting back into the grind. The 10 minute burst after half time saw the Storm put on two tries. And from that point, the Storm weren't headed. Ryan Pappenheisen was back to his best in this game. Lurking around through the middle, they straightened up the attack. The storm they attacked through yep. the middle of the field, which helped Ryan Papenhuisen. 229 metres, two line breaks, 13 tackle busts, and a hat trick of tries. Brilliant night for him. Back to his best. Cam Munster's knee injury is a bit of a worry. Yep. Josh Josh yes. hamstring. Justin Olam and Nelson and Sofa Solomona are all on report. Melbourne did wrap up the minor premiership, but have really come back to the field, I think, in the last few weeks. They're not streets ahead like they were six weeks ago. The other thing that's quietly will be worrying Craig Bellamy is Jerome Hughes' attacking kicks have been a bit hit and miss the last few weeks. Uh, his bombs have, and his high kicks haven't had the depth they've needed. He's kicked it out a little bit uh, over the dead ball line, just... just his, his kicking game in particular, not his running games, has been a little bit off. The
0: Sharks really gave it a red-hot go. I thought they played really well. They were playing for their, you know, the semifinal life. And I thought Melbourne were okay. I think Nico Hines did okay at 5'8 at times. Um, I thought it was a good first half of football. It was intense. Both teams played pretty well. Ryan Pappenheisen probably played his best game he has in a while. And it's really important for Melbourne to do that because they've obviously decided he's going to play fullback irrespective. Of what happened earlier in the year?
1: Correct, because he's the one staying
0: and Nico Hines is going to Cronulla. I'd do exactly the same thing. And so I think there were really good signs with Ryan Pappenhuysen. And, you know, Grant played well. When you saw the break by Harry Grant, when Pappenhuysen came through the middle and scored under the post, you could see how pumped up he was. It was like a real confidence boost. He back to, you know, he's slowly getting back to himself. And I think that was that's really the takeaway for the Storm. Playing some of these guys into form. Uh, harry grant played well ryan pappenhuysen played um fantastically well i thought jerome hughes sort of stepped on the gas towards the end of the game and really sort of tore the sharks apart a little bit the sharks just kept on hanging on and really at the end a bit of um jerome hughes and ryan pappenhuysen magic with the in- step and the kick with the outside of the foot and they kind of eventually killed off the sharks but the sharks gave them a, a really good match and with a little bit of luck here and there it really could have won that game so a good effort by the sharks they went down swinging. Um, but unfortunately, they're for and against, um, counted against them for the semis.
1: That's right. So, and this this left the Titans having to win by more than 11, uh, which they only just did to make it to the to the eight. Um, yep. The next game up was the Eels versus the Panthers on the Friday yep. night. I wasn't expecting a great deal from this game, and it didn't disappoint. So, part B. <laughs> yes. Went toe-to-toe with the Panthers in the first half, yep. trailing only 12-6 at half time. And they were a bit disjointed, right? A lot of those players hadn't played together. I thought it was Jacob Arthur's best game in first grade, by the way. I thought he was quite good. So Panthers were only up 12-6 at halftime. And we were right in the game. But the Panthers' left edge tore the eels apart in the second half. What a surprise that the Panthers' right edge was a problem. Um, with four of the seven tries coming down that side. Brian Toe was yep. superb. Scoring his first career hat trick and running for two hundred and forty-three meters, the Panthers run in, ran in five unanswered tries in the second half and got through the game unscathed, except for poor Scott Sorensen, who dislocated his wrist and looks like he might be out for the season. Um, if only they could borrow a player from the Bull from the Broncos to kind of make up for that. Say, so let's call him Tavita Pangai Junior. Anyway. Yeah. The Panthers, the, okay. the 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 Panthers finished with twenty one wins, and I know they dominated that second half. But am I wrong in thinking that that was an unimpressive win? I thought I thought there was a I thought there was a bit in that for the Eels. I think this is similar
0: to the Melbourne game in that. If you're Penrith, you want your attack to hum at some point of that game. But with you, the first half, I thought Parra, yeah, they were disjointed but they had so many changes. But I thought Parra played okay for a side. Yeah, so do I. I thought they did really well. Um, And I thought Penrith struggled with that. I think they were probably expecting a little bit of an easier game. But I think what was important for Penrith is they tried stuff in the second half. They sort of stepped up a gear. And like you say, they started to tear the eels apart eventually. It wasn't impressive for half the game. But I think...
1: Well, even 60 minutes. I thought I thought we, we took a lot out of that yep. for 60 minutes, right? That was, that was our B uh, yeah. team. Yes. A lot of those guys haven't played footy in 12 months.
0: Yeah, I thought Parra played really well in that game. And they were never going to win it. No, But I didn't expect a performance like that. The score ended up being a blowout, but the game wasn't a blowout. I think for Penrith, the takeaway from Ivan Cleary is that that was a game to fine-tune their attack. And you saw more elements of that. Jerome Luai started to run a little bit more. Nathan Cleary was becoming a little bit more aggressive. They got Toho into space a bit more. Gow, Tavita Panguai Jr., another hit-out um, with Penrith. And Matt Burden sort of really reading and playing off Kikau and, and Luai again. The takeaway for me is Penrith, yep, we racked on the points, and we at times we, looked, we played some of our best footy that we have in a while. But was it an overly 80-minute impressive game? Not really. But, you know, To'o's back, another game. James Fisher-Harris, another game. Yeah, Penrith, you're sort of building into the semis. That's the takeaway from that game for me.
1: Fair enough. All right, let's move on to the last shitty Saturday of the season.
0: Oh, we forgot to mention, what are the odds of having two Hazers in a team? Like para.
1: let's move on to the last shitty saturday of the season <laughs>
0: yes hard hitting
1: analysis from g
0: i love this stuff it's great yeah this is
1: why channel nine hasn't knocked on your door that you don't watch the footy so let's move on to shitty saturday
0: i think it's the second one go ahead. yeah i think yeah. it might
1: be the second one
0: go
1: can i ask you a question while we're on the pod and we've yeah. had this conversation yeah. offline yeah you are in hardcore lockdown i knew you were going to bring this up yes you can't go more than five kilometers. You can't leave more than an hour a day. What is it that has you so busy that you can't watch the football? Live, you mean? What, yes. What, is it, what are you doing at 8 p.m. on a Friday that is so busy, that you're so busy that you cannot watch the footy?
0: Usually I'm reading or doing something else and sort of...
1: Oh, really? You're reading or doing something else? You <laughs> rang me last friday during the friday night game and told me that they've got the 1981 spider-man on disney plus that we used to watch as kids <laughs> no, no comment can you move on
0: <laughs> no comment <laughs> i just i'm blown the funny away thing is i can't use the excuse that they're on demand because they're all on demand so you yeah, gotta move on <laughs> come on
1: this is true all right okay. shitty saturday after the hard-hitting analysis from G, first up was yes. the Broncos versus the Knights. The Broncos got this one up thirty-five twenty-two. This was a disgraceful performance by a full-strength Knights <laughs> it team. Was a they terrible, were yeah. they were disgraceful. In fact, they played better after Mitchell Pearce and Kalen Ponga were substituted. They 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 did. They were terrible. The Broncos led 18-4 at halftime and could have been in front by more. Herbie Farnworth, who was absolutely fantastic, the love bug, we love you love bug, in this game ran rings around poor Kurt man. Anthony Milford, who had another barnstorming game, scored early in the second half to make it 24-4 and basically killed the game. And that's when Pierce and Ponga were replaced, and the Knights ran in three tries after that. Although the Broncos scored two of their own and looked dangerous every set. Great send off for Alex Glenn and Anthony Milford. Um, Payne Haas picked up a syndesmosis in- injury, and Jake Turpin looks like Turpin looks like he broke his jaw. Um, they were casualties for the Bronx, so hopefully they're not out for too long. Um, and Clemmer had a what looked, looked like a really painful rip cartilage in, injury for the Knights. The Knights, um, I just want to say a quick fact. And The Knights finished with the second lowest points scored this year amongst all the teams. They were 15th out of 16th for attack. They were only better than the Bulldogs. I mean, they are going to go out first week.
0: They have no shot in the first week. Their the attack's structured, and they've also had so many injuries as well that they never got into any rhythm at all. I mean with this game here I thought they were terrible as well. And you kinda of wonder if Mitch Pierce, he's been shopped around, he's still got years under his contract. There's always rumblings about Ponger not being happy. You kinda of wonder if they haven't quite bought into Adam O'Brien now. And the fact that they played better when they went off, either because of the reflection of the score and had you know, who cares? Or maybe they weren't their head wasn't quite in the game. And once that went off, you know, the sort of team energy levels changed. But for this game, I just thought, you know, good on the Broncos, another enthusiastic performance. They're really finishing the season strongly. I know they've got nothing to play for, but realistically that's been that way the whole season. And they've really taken a a step up. They're playing a lot of the youngsters are really putting in and having a sad retirement of Alex Glenn. He's been playing for a long time, been a fantastic player for a very long time as well. But Milford, you know, a little bit of weight loss. He's played fantastically well. He's had four or five great games. It's good to see Tessie New playing better and forming connections now with Herbie Farnworth from fullback and see Selwyn Cobo and what you might have with him next year, see him in the clear, because we don't know what's really going to happen with Katoni Stags as well. He's, he's had another severe injury, but a good finish to the year for the Bronx and the Knights. I mean, I know it's the last game of the season, T, and they're going to finish seventh.
1: This is the argument for resting players. If you play your full-strength team and put like that, any momentum you did have going and play like that, any momentum you had, you did have going into the finals is gone. It can disappear, yes,
0: absolutely. Sometimes you do seem like it's kind of a we-don't-care game, and this could be the case for the Knights because they were seventh regardless, irrespective of what the result was, but it's not a good sign when you're... You get sort of blown away, and it's really mainly an effort thing
1: before the semis. So
0: not a good game for the Knights, but a, a good finish to the season for the Bronx. It really, really, really has been.
1: All right, the second game on shitty Saturday was the Cowboys versus Manly. Manly did this one 46 to 18. The first half in this one was fantastic, and the fans were treated to a Hammer versus Saab sprint, which Saab won, but missed the tackle, and the Hammer scored the first try of the game. Um, but it's great to see that Jason Saab in full flight a couple of times during the game. Just absolutely brilliant. Unbelievably.
0: He, was, he caught him so quickly, he could have actually run past him, turned
1: around and tackled him. Yeah, so that's right. I don't know that's how right. he missed that tackle. And the hammer's quick. The hammer's quick. He yes, made the ha- that's the he, thing. he made the hammer look like you. He did. He made him look very
0: slow. So, yeah. um,
1: incredible speed. And then 10 minutes later, Jason Saab took an AFL mark off a DCE kick to level the scores. And that's that's the way it stayed until two minutes to go in the first half. Six all. Great half of hoodie, And then... Kieran Four and Tommy Turbo combined twice down the left edge to tear the Cowboys' right edge apart. And in the blink of an eye, six-all became 18-6 at halftime. In the process, Ruben Garrick broke Hazem El-Masri's single-season point-scoring record. We yeah. congratulate him. And, and I think some of these records are going to have an asterisk next to them. Or not an asterisk next to them, but let's talk about it on, on where we place 2021 in a historical context. Because I think... I think there is a debate to be had. Significantly skewed. I agree. And even when we talk about Tommy Turbo versus Ben Barber and J- Jared Hayne, I think we need to take that into account. So the Cowboys managed to stay with Manly in the first 20 minutes of the second half, getting the score back to 18-12 and then 24-18 before Manly ran over the top of the Cowboys, scoring four tries in the last 11 minutes to make it 46 to 18, Tommy Trebojevic and DCE both had fantastic games, Tommy Turbo finished with three tries, two try assists, 302 metres, 19 tackle buffs, six line breaks, one line break assist and DCE scored one try and had three try assists, in his second try Tommy Turbo beat half the Cowboys team in a try, although people people have compared it to Jared Haynes' try against Saints, no, the, dif- no. the difference is Saints were trying. <laughs> the Cowboys weren't I mean, yet.
0: The Cowboys, seriously I mean, I think he had those 19 tackle breaks Just from that run But that defence was That was a, we're tired and we've just given up The last they try was
1: magnificent It was the 80th minute, the siren went Ruben Garrick ran it out from the dead ball line Great try, but the Cowboys had given up They really had by this point Absolutely, half the team, even the Mandy team Wanted to get the
0: fuck off the field too But Ruben <laughs> Garrick's like, I'm scoring a try I don't give a shit Yeah Look, that game. Look, to be honest, fair play to the Cowboys. I thought they gave Manly a bit of a match for. They showed up most didn't of the they? game, right? Yes, absolutely, and they have zero to play for. I don't have much on this game, except like you. I love the chase from um, Saab.
1: Well, well, it was it was interfering. It was interfering with your 1972 Iron Man cartoon. In this game, it
0: was correct. That's right. And um, Saab's catch, perfectly placed kick,
1: and he got up. Why doesn't more? Why don't they do more of that? That was an AFL mark. There
0: was no chance. And at his height, coming from that speed that
1: AFL players don't take chest marks as a general rule. They sometimes do, but it's not their go-to. They catch the ball over their head. Why don't yep. we do that in rugby league? Why don't we learn from the other sports more?
0: I think there's a little bit of a closed-mindedness, and that's with a lot of things. You know, you, you see the other sport as an enemy, you're not necessarily open to learning from it. Some coaches are, some are not. But you look at someone like Saab at a six foot five and that kick was perfectly placed. The other, the Cowboys winger Tuolangi, had no chance. He didn't do anything wrong. It's just the guy was six foot five and jumped. You know, <laughs> he just yeah, couldn't yeah, do yeah, anything about it. Perfectly placed, and I thought you know it was quite a tight game for quite a while. I, I think the turning point was the Tommy Turbo try just before half time, where you know it was six all and. Mandy scored, still a close game, and then all of a sudden cut back on the inside.
1: You go back and look at that play. That was Kieran Foran.
0: Yeah, Kieran Foran's inside pass.
1: Kieran Foran put him into a gap.
0: And just his speed put him straight through the gap, and then he ran around Val Holmes. And then it was 18-6. And then, you know, the Cowboys still came out in the second half and hung around for quite a while. I thought they were quite impressive. But once they had that 24-18, and they were, you know, there was kind of a, an upset maybe happening to end the season. And then Tu fell asleep and Ruben Garry caught the bomb when really he had no business doing so. And he scored a try, and I think after that they just they they literally capitulated. The last ten minutes they let in like 20, 22 points or whatever it was, and um and that magical try right at the end. I mean, Tommy Turbo's try, fantastic to watch. He stepped past a couple of guys, but some very, very lazy, tired end of season defense by the Cowboys.
1: I mean the Cowboys were terrible. They've got, they've only won one of their last. Twelve games,
0: yeah. But to turn up and put an effort in for most of the games, I game, know. But it, but you know. you're one
1: for eleven in your last twelve. I know. There's there's some problems there.
0: And love Ruben Garrick. He's he's just become an aggressive attacking winger.
1: I, I know. I know we're gonna go through our team of the year later, but I think Ruben Garrick will have a spot on one of the wings in my team.
0: I well, surprisingly, I. I didn't think you would, but I think Ruben Garrick, for me, has been the standout. I can winger.
1: already pick your wingers. Josh Adokar and Jason Saab.
0: No, it's actually Josh... Well, I can tell you now. Or Josh AJ. It's Josh and, and Ruben Garrick. Oh, you did pick Ruben Garrick as well. Yeah, I just think I can't... His performances have been at a level that's been fantastic every week. I didn't
1: have Josh Adokar because I think there's been a standout winger in the comp.
0: Okay, but that's all right. But there's been a few...
1: It was one of the harder positions to pick. Yes. Because there were so six, many... 7, 8. Yeah, there were so many people that you could have put in put in there. There were other there were other positions that were harder yes. to fill because there weren't any options. Um, AKA I won't say anything. AKA prop. Yes, <laughs> they, they were hard. So,
0: but great last try by Gary. But seriously, that pass to DCE was like about five meters forward. Oh, correct. Like, DC was in front of you. <laughs>
1: It's good, like good, what good, happened to good. calling forward passes. Nah, no, we've given up. We've, uh,
0: given up. we've we have given up. There've been some really bad
1: ones recently. There has been. Oh, there terrible has terrible. been. And some. I hope they. I hope they remember the Shit. forward pass rule for this week because someone's going to uh, do a Tom Brady style pass and it's going to be given a try. I
0: saw it and I thought, hang on a sec. Do you see? It was ahead of him anyway. Like he couldn't have thrown <laughs> it backwards anyway. even if he tried. Anyway, but you know. A decent finish for the Cowboys, but manly, too much firepower.
1: That's pretty much sums it up. All right, the last <laughs> game, last game on Shitty Saturday, was the Baby Bunnies against the Dragons. The, the The Baby Bunnies got up twenty to sixteen. Um, the score line just actually doesn't indicate what a terrible performance this was by the Dragons. They were not in this the game at all until the last 10, no. 10 minutes. No, and they show the Baby Bunnies show that the future is bright for Souths fans, right? Well, Lachlan Ilias having a good debut, and Blake Taffey also having a solid game in only his fifth game of of football Lachlan Elias got his first try this was Saints eighth loss in a row it's a club record and they were really poor in this game I mean literally that they scored three tries in the last 10 minutes to make it look like a close game and then lo and behold they were attacking they had the ball to potentially pinch it and who did it go to that knocked it on G? Corey Norman Corey Norman so
0: that's because he switched on for like 12 minutes of the game
1: it's twelve minutes more than he switched on for most of this season. Yes, South yes. South dominated from the start and were in front twenty to nil with twelve minutes to play. The guard of honour for Matt Chekin at the end of this game was my highlight of this game. Nice touch. It was a really nice touch.
0: I, I really enjoyed. There's that. There's nothing either
1: team can take from this game. I thought no, nothing. I, I yeah. think
0: I think for me, like you said for for South, I think it's pretty cool because you know you had Tarfe, Ilias, sort of having to go. Fairly young, and they played pretty well. You know, they stepped up and played well. For me, the Dragons, very disappointing, other than a couple of flashes of brilliance from Terrell Sloan. But realistically, you've got a few young guys in there. It's the last game of the season. Maybe they mentally couldn't get up, you know what I mean? Like, the the season's over. The young guys sometimes find it hard to manage that consistency throughout the season. Sorry, who are you talking about? Southsaurus Dragons. The Dragons, sorry. The Dragons, young
1: team. The Dragons are terrible. I mean I don't know why Anthony Griffin doesn't come under more I not only are they terrible. I actually don't know what they're doing and I'm really offended by the fact that the Daily Telegraph thinks Anthony Griffin's doing moneyball when it has nothing to do with moneyball. You love that. I sent you that I sent you that picture, right? And I completely agree with what I sent you. It would be good if one of the journalists read the book. If they didn't read the book, could they have at least watched the movie?
0: Are you surprised that when the really in-depth analysis comes from the clubs leaking stories to the press trying to sack their players or coaches? No, no When you usually surprising. never get anything like that at all. But to be honest, really bad game from the Dragons. Terrible end to the season and the youngsters couldn't really add the sparkle in this game.
1: Super Saturdays this year has been ab- poor Foxtel. They've had the worst <laughs> games on Saturdays this year. Um, I think I figured that out towards the
0: end and started watching the Iron Man cartoons. But did you um, look? The good thing was South. A couple of the youngsters played a game and got their, you know, taste of first grade, which for them is a bonus. Great. That's right. And Blake Tarfe, very important because if he plays at fullback in the semis,
1: well, he hasn't committed to it. Wayne Bennett hasn't hasn't committed to it. Yes, correct.
0: That's why I said if. That's why I said if
1: I would not move Cody Walker back there.
0: I wouldn't either. No.
1: I think you're weakening both positions, so I would not move Cody Walker I back there. I think
0: you end up with a slightly better fullback, but a, a, not as dynamite 5'8. And I think the team loses overall.
1: Correct. So I would move AJ back there and bring Josh Mansour in.
0: Okay. I actually would play Blake Tafe there and leave Cody Walker and AJ there. I,
1: I, I think it's a lot of pressure on her.
0: It is. Six, but you know what? five
1: gamer. I think. Josh Mansour can give you 90% of what AJ does. AJ's on the finishing end of a lot of moves. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah. So, so anyway. You know what?
0: It'll be interesting to see what Souths do, but, um, good, you know, good win by the young kids.
1: All right. Let's move on to the Sunday games, um, which were just on paper mouthwatering watering feasts of football. Yes. Particularly the second game. Um, and I watched the Wallabies, which I, I managed to find a game worse than the Tigers versus the Bulldogs. So... First up, it was the Titans versus the Warriors. Um, the Titans needed to win by 11 points And this game got wild in the second half They won 44-0 The Warriors had a try, disallowed, on the first set of the game And the rest of the half was dominated by the Titans They needed to win by 11 points And they were in front by 12, 20 minutes into the first half Jaden Campbell was absolutely outstanding It was actually nice to see Jaden Campbell and Tyrone Peachy Play for the same team in a game that meant something Good bloodlines there David Fafita went over just before halftime to make it 16-0 at The break and scored from dummy half straight after halftime to make it 22-0. Eventually they got it out to 28-0 before, with 15 to go, we saw four sin biddings, three to the Warriors and one to the Titans. After two melee's with a punch from Kane Evans, Jazz Tavanga got sin binned first, and then the melee a second melee broke off. Kane Evans threw the punch. Matt Lodge and Jared Wallace teed off as well. All of them went to the bin. Uh, Matt Lodge gave the bird to the fans on the way out in a very professional display that we've come to a. To expect, and Kane Evans looked like looks like he could f- have a fight with no one else in the room. Kane Evans, that's how angry he is. Whilst they were off the field, the Titans ran in two tries to make it thirty nil, thirty eight nil. Mo Fotuaiaka then chased down a kick in slow motion to score right at the death, um, <laughs> and it was the. The, I think it was the biggest all-time win by the Titans, and it's their first finals appearance since twenty sixteen. So congratulations! Now they haven't always looked good this year, but we said at the beginning of the year I, I had them in the eight. They somehow got in. I'm disregarding your tip, given you only had fifteen teams. I so oh, did have know. them
0: in the seven. My top seven. I told you. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> yes, the Knights uh, were eight. We, we did. They they go,
1: go, the- go back and listen to the preview show. G started the season off the way he continued it. Brilliant. I forgot the New, Ze- New Zealand Warriors. <laughs> Who he play for? Yeah, <laughs> G and my tip came through. This this has been progress, but probably not in a linear fashion that they wanted. They only won ten games this year, and we'll talk about it in the twenty 2020, twenty where twenty twenty one sits. There are some bad teams playing semi final football this year.
0: There are. There's a couple. I mean, really, it's top six and the top eight. Sometimes has a couple of teams that are okay, but not as good. Seventh and eighth team this year have been diabolical. For most of the years So this game I think Bad start Like with Phil Sammy's knee Accidentally s- stopping a try For the Warriors <laughs> But again the Warriors Hung in You know what's weird They got flogged But they give They have effort generally It's just nothing clicks They can't win games
1: Listen listen The, t- the Titans played The Titans played Four more games than last year Remember the sh- season Was shortened to 20 games last year Yeah And they won 10 games They won 9 games last year And this year they've only won 10 And they made the 8 And they've played four more games. Their for and against is better this year? Yes, it is. I'm not sure they're going to be happy with the progression they've made. They
0: haven't made progress as a team when you watch them play. You can see it. I think, you know, then the Warriors sort of just hung in and then eventually the Titans just had a little bit too much class with Jaden Campbell growing again from fullback and really starting to... You know, not be scared. Like to actually go and try and take over the game. Like he's got. If I were the Titans, looking at that, you wonder if you move Brimson into centers or into five eight next year alongside a halfback, and you have Jaden Campbell there at the back, because then it gives them a lot more variety in attack and a, a bit of ad lib football. So they need to do
1: something in the halves. Toby Sexton is, would be my starting half.
0: AJ Brimson started as a 5'8", Remember?
1: Yep. So you could play AJ Brimson at five eight. Yep. J- Jaden Campbell at fullback. Um, they do need a hooker because 2013 Saints-Mitch
0: He isn't playing as well, yep. Um, and look, the Warriors just didn't have it. And then it kind of exploded. The end of the season, they're frustrated. They started fighting. Although, having said that, Reese Walsh, the 18-year-old...
1: He, flo- he flew in, didn't he?
0: Yeah, but what's with these players? And I'll talk about this in the t- Bulldogs game as well. Like, Was it what well, Tenny Zalesniak got smashed over the sideline?
1: That was Tyrone Peachy,
0: and then someone rubbing, go, going in there and look, like, rubbing his head after he's already three meters out from the sideline. I, I don't, I can understand why Reese Walsh got a bit agitated by that.
1: It happens. It happens in every game. It happens in every game, though. The, the teams are getting a bit dirty.
0: You know, knocking them in the head. Like you remember, if Hopewaldi did that, he was on the front page of the paper, and you know, yeah, yeah. this, this is unacceptable. I mean, that was a long time ago, but it seems to be okay now. All of a sudden. And it started that little melee and Jazz Tavanga. I loved his reaction to getting Symbian. He's like, You ran in from thirty meters. He you can't is do tough that. As and fails. he's like, but he shouldn't have done that. He like, so so what about that? So he said both of, he sent him to the Symbian only.
1: <laughs> Don't worry, he had a few mates two minutes later.
0: He did, and then Matt lodged a late hard shot on Darren Peachy. Yeah. A legal shot, but late. He he smashed him. Absolutely smashed him. He, did. Smashed he, him. Did. he did smash and, him. And um so I can understand Jared Wallace, and this is the other thing. Jared Wallace, is upset he went to the symbiote. It's like, dude, you came running from 20 metres away. Well,
1: Jared Wallace gave a great interview after the game. He goes, oh, it doesn't look like Lodgey likes me very much, but that's okay because I don't like him very much either.
0: Okay, (laughs) well, fair enough. Do you know what? Good on him. Yeah. You know, not everybody has to be mates type of thing. It's a tough, tough game. And Matt Lodge is a tough prop. Um, But the Titans, their attack's a bit clunky, but defensively they've become a bit solid. But, geez, a lot of them, mate, Jared Wallace's thighs are bigger than just about... Reece Walsh's whole body.
1: Whenever you start talking about players' thighs, I think it's time to move on to the next game.
0: It is. The Titans are just, I'm telling you, they're training at the old, like I said, Gold's Gym. There must be a Gold's Gym up um, at the Gold Coast. They just look like bodybuilders across the field, except for Jaden Campbell, who could probably use some of that. You know, and they're just, like you say, they look—they made the eight, but they're a bit clunky and just, I don't know, some things, they're not as good as they were last year, even though they've made the eight.
1: Oh, I agree with that, I agree with that Alright, let's move on to the last game of the 192 games Last game The greatest game of the season I'm going to let you have your moment I'm going to let you have your moment After the hatchet job on Match Maguire in the <laughs> SMH You would think that they would have something to play for
0: Are you serious? It would be the opposite team and Like <laughs> if I'm a player listening to how my coach wants me out of the club And then I'm expected to turn up on the Sunday The next last game of the year I'll be like, fuck this well, we Not had a conversation
1: what? about this game. They were camped on the bulldogs' line for the first ten minutes, but after that, the bulldogs absolutely pummeled the tigers for seventy minutes. It was sixteen nil at halftime, and the bulldogs ran in another four tries in the second half. Luma was terrible; <laughs> has been terrible the whole game. This look, I know, I know you want to. You haven't had a lot of highlights. I'm happy for the dogs fans. But I think this had a lot to do with the fact that the Tigers were absolutely, absolutely disgraceful in this game. Norfoluma made four errors. Luke Brooks missed six tackles. The Tigers missed 43 tackles on the Bulldogs. They're not exactly known as an attacking powerhouse, the Bulldogs. And Tommy Talao, poor Tommy Talao did an ACL. Um, so we wish him a speedy recovery. Now, Tommy Talao's out. Adam Dewey, he's out till mid next year as well. So that's a, that's a big hole for the Tigers. Um, and
0: we've spoken about this, I thought Tommy Tillow the last few weeks says, oh, man, he's, not, looked he's looked better, he's looked better He's looked a lot better, he's starting to feel more comfortable I'm not
1: saying he's not a first grader I just think the fact that there's no reserve grade and the other juniors aren't playing You would have dropped him, you would have said mate go get your confidence back in reserve grade or something like that Yes, he was learning on the job so to speak Yes, And Madge said absolutely. that after the game You take. He goes we've got 12 players missing from our squad of 30 He said, which is right, and he said like Seven of eight of them are starting players, and he goes. The players I'm bringing in haven't played for two years.
0: He's a, That's a fair point. It's Absolutely a fair point, a fair right?
1: Point. So that's what he said after the game. Although there are other issues going on there for the Bulldogs. Nick Meany was superb. Nick Meany was yes. superb. I mean, he was fantastic in his farewell game. And Jake Avarillo yep, got a double. At, <laughs> Jake Averillo got a double at halfback. Gee, I'm not going to say anything more. You've had a rough season. I want to hand this over to you. Go for your life, mate. I don't know. It was just
0: great to see them actually play a little bit of attacking football. I didn't give a shit how bad the defense was from the All time. right. That's it. It, it was great. XG. Let's
1: move on to the <laughs> next. Let's move on to
0: It was good to see some ball movement and some tries and getting the odd player into space. I mean, it's exciting, right? So, a little bit of luck here and there, but some of it opportunistic. Like the second try where Avarillo followed through and scooped the ball up one-handed and scored was really cool. You saw a lot of the potential of Nick Meaney, I think. If you see him in a better team, he's... He's tall, he's athletic, and he's got a little bit of... um, He he seems to have added a bit of power and acceleration, like where he changes speed, which I think caught out the Tigers' defence a couple of times. Realistically, I mean, the Tigers... I think it was one of those games where they turned up, they kind of played... But would I say they were determined to win the game in general? I would say no. A low light was Tommy Telau's injury. You hate to see young kids do their ACL, especially as they're starting to grow and find their feet. And he's had a rough season. Um, and then as soon as he started to, things are starting to make sense, he gets injured. But it was great seeing um, Avarillo sort of be a little bit more aggressive. But even sometimes a joy. Like when Jack Hetherington scored, I mean, the whole team pretty much ran to him and, um, you know, started celebrating with him and see some touches of class from Will Hopawati as well. In his farewell game, a little bit of his magic hands that he has and has shown over a large number of years, uh, from Manly to Parramatta to the Bulldogs, so just a, a good win all around. And Jackson Topney had a pretty good game, but
1: I think he's one for the future. I think he'll be all right, Jackson Topney. Yeah, he's
0: he's actually a good good little player. Um, but the Tigers, mate. Honestly,
1: Well, I mean, when we do this next week or the week after, the Tigers may be on the lookout for a coach.
0: But to be honest, T, I kind of can't blame them. I mean, if I'm um, Luke Brooks reading in the paper that Madge McGuire is not quite sure and we have a falling out and all this other kind of stuff, and, you know, you Alex Safar, for example, and you're playing, and you're you find, I mean, it's just not good.
1: Can I say something about Luke Brooks? And they might have mentioned it on commentary. He's actually standing too far from the dummy half. Yeah, Probably. He's like, he's like, noticeably, compared to the other teams, he's like two or three steps to the left or the right. It's a long pass he's expecting from the dummy half. I think Luke Brooks would be better. That immediately takes space away from your outside backs, and it means you're stretching the field rather than straightening the attack. I think Luke Brooks would, would be better off taking two steps to the right or the left to, or closer to the ruck to catch the ball a bit tighter. Very technical, very, very technical. I know that's not aspects of the game that you like or watch, but, and that's coaching, right? He could coach that into him or whether he's not listening
0: things aren't right there at all and the only other thing that came out is sometimes some of the Simbins like Sh- sean blue's simbin for apparently well, the hit was too hard like he kind of nudged him and it was a penalty and then he got sent to the simbin i was like what the hell is going on and Wakeham. I mean, Tommy Talao, a bit disappointed in Brandon Wakeham. Tommy Talao, they put him over the sideline.
1: Oh, yeah, I saw that. I, I did saw the You could it. see, yeah. Tommy,
0: I, and I don't think this is because it was in slow motion. Like, Tommy Talao was clearly in pain and grabbing his knee. I agree. Brandon Wakeham comes over and shoves his head into the ground. I'm like, mate, you can see that he's injured. It's it What do you expect obvious? from a club
1: with those cultural issues? <laughs>
0: He was probably asking him if he's got a
1: replacement speaker. Yeah. So, um, I was a bit angry. This is a club where the players steal things and sell them on eBay. I mean, oh. I'm surprised he didn't list the communal couch from the hotel. But hey, we held
0: them to zero. We scored a few tries. And I think we beat Ruben Garrick in the scoring race, which is fantastic. You did.
1: You did beat Ruben <laughs> Garrick in the scoring race. <laughs> I
0: can't believe that was a comment. Shit.
1: Congratulations to the Bulldogs for another great year. Uh. So... That brings us to the end of the regular season. And I think I can speak on behalf of both of us. Thank God. How's this for a hot... Yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it is. The end of the
1: season was a tough one. So so I want to ask a couple of questions before we do preview of week one yep. of the finals. I, and, and part of the reason is I actually don't... I think there's only one interesting game in week one of the finals. So let's see. Where does... And we alluded to it a bit earlier. Where does 2020... When we look back on 2021, how are we going to remember it? Before you answer that, G, I just want to give you some thinking points, right? We had the the, the equal record streak in the history of rugby league with 19 yes. wins in a row. Yep. A little bit too easy for me at times, yes. We had the highest point differential by any team at the top of the ladder in rugby league history. Yep. Beating all the attacking records of the 2001 Parramatta Eels.
0: That's what you're cut up about. The same way I'm cut up about El Masri's record going down. So I've got to discredit Ruben Gary.
1: Okay. And the Roosters yep. finished fifth. <laughs> yes. With 16 wins in a normal 75 year. 75 injuries. Yeah, but in a normal year, 16 <laughs> wins would get you first or second. It's 34 points. 16 wins is 34 points. It's... It's first or second. The Roosters have won a minor premiership with that.
0: Yeah, but even if they didn't win a minor premiership, right, at a minimum, you're coming like third or something. You're not coming sixth.
1: Yeah, it's first, second, third. It's your top, yeah. top tier, 34.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, so Absolutely. they finished
1: fifth with 16 wins, right? 10 wins and 14 losses, which is only just the 40% win record, got you into the top eight. This year, just some of the facts from this year in terms of the draw. Para played, I think Penrith played top eight teams 13 times, Para 10, East's nine. I think Manly it was just seven games, seven or eight games. So the draw was clearly if you played, remember how early on in the season we said there were almost two speeds to the comp, there was the top four, five, six teams. And the rest, yeah. If you played those other teams more often than anyone else, I cannot remember another season where the draw had more of an impact. Now, having said that, Manly and Penrith are miles ahead of the rest, but they're miles ahead of that. There's like five or six teams, and then it's just rubbish after that.
0: I think that's the difference, mate. It's not. There usually is a top tier. There always is to some degree. You do have. Excuse me. You do have the odd year T where you've got one or two teams that are class above everyone, but that only happens occasionally. But usually you've got that top four that are really good. Then you've kind of got another tier of five, six, seven, which are all about the same. And then you've got eight, nine, ten, which is another tier. Then you've got three or four teams that are really bad, right?
1: This year, we picked it from the beginning of the season. I went back and had a look at my notes from the beginning of the season. We said there was going to be a two tier. Yeah.
0: Yes. But there wasn't even a third and a middle team. No, there wasn't. Yeah, okay, there was two standout teams. The rest were all about the same. And then
1: the rest of them literally were all shit. Like, and that's unusual. Where does 2021 sit then? Is this going to be an asterisk year?
0: Rugby league doesn't do that. They just take, you know, numbers as they are. But realistically, watching the footy that... We have this year. When I watch some of those games, like I was privy watching the Sharks in 2016 where they won 16 in a row. I was lucky to watch the Bulldogs in 2002 win that team. I was also very lucky to watch that Parramatta team in 2001, which was an exciting team to watch as well. Right in a lot of those games, they blew some teams away, but they had to fought fight hard for a lot of those wins. If I look at Melbourne and Penrith, just Turning up and almost going through the motions, and Souths as well. I mean, how many games did Souths just sort of turn up and sort of play and then blow teams away by 40? Like, I haven't really seen that for a long, long time, where the top three or four teams are turning up, playing for 40, 50 minutes of a game and flogging teams by 40, 50 points. It's unusual. And not teams that, not the team T that's just coming last, like teams that are ninth or tenth just turning up and, you know, switching off after 40 minutes and the score's 38 to 10. A very unusual year, and I think it's also the rule changes and the coaches didn't anticipate the type of training you needed for that. So the disparity was just ridiculous. To the point where I think a lot of the games were very uncompetitive and boring to watch. So so no, I can't remember a season like this. And I could be wrong, but for a long time. And it resulted, like you say, in all these crazy sort of statistics that seemed like they had an amazing season. But if you look at the Storm, I mean, I love the Storm. I love Bellamy. If I look at most of their games, would I say they were brilliant? You know what the answer is? No. 19 in a row when half the time you're just turning up. You know, I just don't think that they had the depth that they had this year. And then one of the top six teams was the Roosters, who still happened to win third. Think about this. How many injuries have the Roosters had? Heaps. Right? And any other team, any other year, they're probably scrapping around the eighth and trying to fight. I mean, they fought and they nearly made the top four with literally, what, 10 injuries, 12? Brett Morris was brilliant, lost for the season. Jake Friend retired. Boyd Cordner retired. Like, the amount of injuries and chopping and changing they've had, and they still pretty much finish in the top four. I mean, that's very unusual. Yeah, I'm, um, I think the statistics are a bit skewed this year. What would you do with the six again rule? It's a tough one because I do like the speed of the game increasing, and I think that's the focus. They've got to keep the speed of the game there. The six again rule, I'm not a huge fan of. I think it hides some poor refereeing at times, but I also don't think it necessarily punishes indiscretions, and specifically by some of the good teams. They can give it away because they know the crappy teams are not going to score against them. So... It's a tough one, T. I'm really not sure about that. And Ricky Stewart made a great point where if you're a good team and you pin the opposition back in their 20, you just give away a reset.
1: Well, that's exactly what happens, G. That's exactly what happens. You
0: set your line and then they can't get out. Conversely, though, some of these coaches, I think, want the lazy way of being able to make ground, which is just run from dummy half and run one out, not play footy to get through the line, which is what used to happen in the 80s. You'd have players throwing the ball around and offloading and stuff because the defences were so close.
1: I don't think the footy this year's looked like the 80s.
0: No, no, I mean like you've got to have an element of risk, right? In the 80s, they used to pass the ball around more because you could, like you say, get the ball back in a lot of avenues of the game, but the defence was only five metres away, so you didn't have much space. You had to create space through somewhat inventive football, and I think there's a counterbalance. Some of the coaches don't want to do that. They want to be able to make ground just by running from dummy half and keep it simple and, you know, pros and cons for me yeah, about yeah, tinkering yeah. with the six again.
1: Where does it sit for you then in terms of seasons? Good regular season, bad?
0: Honestly, T, one of the poorer
1: regular seasons. I think that's right. I mean, right.
0: how many great games were there, really? Really. And I'm not talking about games that were close.
1: Well, I, I think when the top four teams or top four or five teams played each other, generally they, they, they were pretty good games. Generally. And what
0: season do you remember, T, where you're tipping five out of eight and you're like, shit, I went crap
1: yeah correct correct right i I think i I do think the football was quite predictable i agree with that but that's my take i don't think it was a very good season at all i'm looking at where the teams finished last year versus this year okay so the top two were the panthers and the storm still the top the top four had the roosters and para who were still in the top six um manly went from six to third oh sorry Souths went from six to third this year um, Manly went from 13th to 4th, um, the Knights stayed 7th, the Titans went from 9th to 8th and really just swapped positions with the Sharks. Other than Manly, the top 8 has virtually been unchanged from last year. The Manly coming up was at the expense of the Raiders. Alright, so if Melbourne win this, where do
0: they go down in history? The statistics are going to say it's one of their all-time dominant this, seasons. This, this is the conversation I was trying to get to.
1: This is the Statistically
0: conversation. it is... But can I watch this and say that, like I say, I love Melbourne. I think they play with great um, guile and variety. Even though they they can be structured, but they try different stuff. But can I look at that team and say that's one of the best teams I've ever seen? You know what the answer is? No, it's not.
1: And it's because it's because the other there's so many shit teams this year.
0: Yeah, I, I mean they basically turned up. To games and won games Like just by not When they weren't that great How many games were there When Melbourne had Seven or eight First team players out And we're still beating teams by 30 Like I get Like that hasn't really happened In other years Where
1: What we can really cover off Is that Cam Smith Was holding them back <laughs> Yes I think He shouldn't be an immortal anymore He was terrible Is there a bigger slam dunk Than Cameron Smith Being an immortal?
0: How can there be I mean, let's be honest. Right? Like,
1: like, what I mean, more like, would he have had to have done to be an immortal? Let's look at it the other way. What
0: <laughs> be friends with Phil Gould?
1: What more would Cam Smith have needed to? Have, like, I just think, yeah, I, there's no way that Cam Smith doesn't no. end up an immortal.
0: I mean, I'm not I, like you. I'm not a huge fan of the immortal thing or like the Hall of Fame thing. I'm a big fan of the, the immortals, not so much. But we have it, and he is kind of like. There's not even a discussion. No, like, there shouldn't it's, be. I mean, mate, he played 400-something games for a little guy like that who was actually a hooker. Okay, you know, they have interchange and stuff that they never used to have, you know, Terry Lamb's days and all that kind of thing. But he, what did he interchange? Maybe 20 games? fifty. Like, he still played over 400 games in the middle oh, of the year. Tackled 50 tackles, made 50 tackles a game.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: As well as winning every week. Like, just, it's actually mind-blowing, his accomplishments. Really oh, yes,
1: yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. Let's, let's cover off the teams that have been eliminated, all right, before we get into the round one finals preview. Let's start with the Sharks. They were eighth last year, ninth this year, just missed out. They did lose to the Tigers and the Bulldogs. I, I actually think the Sharks were the eighth best team this year. I think they're on the up. They get Nico Hines, Dale Finucane, and they get Fitzgibbon as the new coach, who by all accounts is an excellent coach. And what they've done is they've blooded some youngsters. And I think they're going to be in really good stead for next year. They've got Matt Moylan at a decent contract. I think Andrew Fafita might... Is he off contract or he's got one more year to go? So they've got a bit of salary cap room coming up. I think the Sharks are on their way up rather than down. What do you think about the Sharks?
0: I would agree with that. I think their season started off on the wrong foot.
1: I think they got hope. I think Sharks fans have got hope. Because remember, they changed D-Meta coaches Chester. too.
0: They, yeah, they, they change coaches. It, oh, I me, think, the Mesa test
1: the story of him slapping the...
0: Slapping the um, chair fantastic best. stuff. It's brilliant. But I'm with you. I think the Sharks will be on the up for next year. I think the players struggled to adjust for a while. I think that hijacked this season, but there were a lot of games where they were so close to winning, they just couldn't quite put it together at times. You know, and they could have won four of those games, mate. Like, if I mean, he brings, if he
1: brings footing, the Roosters' defensive system there, and with Dale and Nico Hines, William Kennedy at the back, they've got great wingers. Katawa and Mulatalo are fantastic. Mulatalo
0: is actually one of the best wingers in the competition. And I think the blooding of Connor Tracy this year and really letting him play different games, I think he'll go to another level next let's, year. Let's
1: pick that up when we're doing our team of the year.
0: I am unsure about Nico Hines, though. Because the more I've seen him in Melbourne... He's a fullback, right? Because if you watch... And this is why, you know, I used to call him Nico Smooth. He's, he's a smooth mover. It uses changes of pace and gets into the seams of the defence and uses his spatial awareness, right, to pass the to ball. To play him
1: at fullback. You have to play at him five at
0: fullback. At 5'8", yes. 5'8", T, he doesn't quite...
1: No, I don't think he's a 5'8".
0: And he struggles there, right? He doesn't have as much of an impact. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think, you know, even the Chad Townsend stuff, you know, he wanted to stay and he couldn't stay. There was a lot of things happening with the Sharks at the moment, but Will Kennedy showed, grew to another level. And I think next year he will go to a... Another level again. But you might have a conflict with him and Nico Hines. And I think Jesse
1: Ramian's a good centre too, right? Uh,
0: I think Jesse Ramian.
1: He's prone to mistakes, but there's enough enough there. He's defensively a liability. He is. But Craig Fitzgibbon... I've got confidence Craig Fitzgibbon can fix that.
0: I also think the Sharks... I remember earlier in the year someone said they had a new fitness regime in the off-season or something happened and they'd never trained that hard in their life.
1: Your door is opening itself behind you, just so you know. And I think next year... Is that the cat? Like you say... Or have you got a ghost living there?
0: No, it's the cat. Okay. And Fitzgibbon next year. And I think the right culture will come into the club. Looking at the Roosters this year, if he has brings any of that to the Sharks, I think the Sharks will be one of those teams that'll take a step up and maybe get into top six.
1: I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the Sharks. I now, am.
0: I think they've got they're looking good, Sharks. They played some young guys and um, they're a bit light on in the centres though.
1: Let's cover the Raiders. Yep. Now I think the Raiders are going backwards I think they're closer to a rebuild Rather than roll the dice and go again I, yep. I think their window to win the Premiership's now gone And I'll tell you why I think that I think their spine's yep. in a bit of trouble Nickel Klockstadt, I love him as a player But he's, he's coming yes. back from a really serious injury So we don't know how he's going to pull up to that um, Jordan Rapano was great this year They'd, Jack Whiten was terrible this year Really disappointing season. George Williams is gone. They need a halfback. And Tom Starling needs a couple of years before he's an elite level hooker. Uh, And in the meantime, what do you do with Josh Hodgson? I think he's going to leave the club. So I think that spine's a bit flaky. Elliot Whitehead, I don't think, has been that good, to be honest with you. And Josh Papali's a year older. I I just think they can roll this back and finish 7th or 8th. Or they can go for a rebuild. And it's a really interesting... We actually said this in the preseason, that if this season doesn't go well, what what are the... Raiders do and I I just wonder where they're at because if it was anyone other than Ricky at the Raiders you you might go for a rebuild at this point
0: I mean in terms of rebuild I think they've got to start looking to the future now and start playing some of the younger guys because they're at a stage where some of their key players are older they're all in 30s or over 30
1: correct I think they're an older squad
0: they are an older squad some of the younger guys that they've been playing in first grade I would say have turned out to be solid you know, like the Horsboroughs. I like Horsbrough. He's, he's a try and he's, he's emotional.
1: Canterbury's best forward.
0: Yeah, but he, he tries hard, right? He gives everything he's got. But you've got Hudson Young. Like, they're decent players, but could I say they've developed into elite back rowers? Not really, right? So they've got a lot of these solid guys coupled with these older veterans that are now getting really old. And not enough young guys coming through. Like Rapana was great. Rapana is 32 years old. I don't know where they go. I think they've got to start bringing in these Xavier Savages and stick to the Harley Smith Shields, the Sebastian Chris. And they kind of need a new fitness style because the game's quickened up and a lot of their players are, are, are quite big. Um, they're a solid team across the park. And that doesn't quite cut it with the pace of the game at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see if some of their training might take some of these players to a better level. But they will be there around the eight. But like you, I think they're slowly going backwards. I agree. And they don't really have a halfback. Like Matt Frawley, good organiser. Got good skill, but... Oh, mate, he's,
1: he's a steamroll. They steamroll him in defence.
0: But he is. Matt Frawley is a, is a, in case of emergency, break glass halfback.
1: They need a halfback. They're in desperate they need of no a halfback. halfback.
0: Whiten was very poor this year. They've got to regenerate. And like you yeah, say, Andre. Hodgson was poor. Starling, give the team to Starling. It takes him a couple of years, but you got
1: to... And we're going to talk about the Dragons. You go give the team to Starling. You can't give the team to Starling and... And put thirty-two-year-old people around him. You need to put people around him that's closer, a bit younger, yeah, Yeah. so that they build together.
0: Absolutely, I agree
1: with you. Pete, that's the great thing about Penrith. Think about the Melbourne Storm. The big four came through together.
0: They do. And they always supplement them with veterans around the team. They've got a core that they keep around the same level, right? An age and they grow together. Which is, explains why they're looking at Mitchell Pearce. Because they have no halfback and they need someone there. Mitchell Pearce, I think, just fits in with the players they got now. Like, I don't think... Well,
1: he... but, but I mean, if you keep Mitchell Pearce, what you're saying... If you get Mitchell Pearce, what you're saying is, I think... We can be a top four side, we're gonna roll it again. And I think that's you are. the what I yes. think that's where Ricky's head's at. I think that's where Ricky's yes, head's at.
0: He is. I I agree. I don't think I don't I don't agree with him, but um the Raiders I think are going backwards. They need to make a few changes to that team and, and bring a little bit of youth back into it.
1: Yeah, fair enough. All right. The Tigers. Now let me put my their recruitment's been terrible, their leaking stories, the front office leaking stories to the press. <laughs> I, I yes. think they're going to finish last next year. It's them or the Cowboys for me that are going to finish last next year.
0: Looking at their team, I actually, now on the Cowboys, I actually think it's between them two to come last next year. The other teams have all shown flashes or build, have building blocks to build from. The Warriors, now that may not eventuate, but they have building blocks that are there. The Dogs have recruited quite well. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work, but in terms of on paper. But the Tigers, I mean, you basically saw all their youth and the squad... And whoever else I've recruited on show this year. Yeah. and Not pretty. And where do they go just, from there? Just I defensively
1: mean, horrific too. Defensively horrific.
0: Their best player for most of the year, he has got a torn an ACL. Well, that's
1: right. And he's gone for half the season next year. Adam he is been by far and away their best player.
0: One of the youngsters that actually finally started to put it together. We talked about Tommy Talao torn ACL. Yeah. So he's got to start from scratch. Joey Leilua is not interested. He's still under contact. Luciano. No, no, no,
1: no. No. Joey's Joey's off contract at the end. He's oh, off he's contract. Gone. Okay. He won't be re-signed. The the rumour is Joey's going to go to the Super League.
0: Norfolk heading the clouds this year, you know, two brilliant things in a game and diabolical Norfolk is terrible. Nor Norf-
1: Norfoluma, I mean if he wasn't on the money he's on, you <laughs> I would have dropped him. And he came out on social media and bagged his inside defense. For his defensive woes a few weeks back. I mean, he's just, just there's a lot of problems at that club. I, I unfortunately, I don't think they've bottomed out. I think they're going to, they're, they next year's going to be their bottoming out year.
0: They've got no one coming through. Moses Mbai he's gone to the Dragons, right?
1: Yeah. No, no, he's gone to the Dragons.
0: You've got there's no halves, there's no fullback.
1: Have you been living under a rock? One, do you? Thi- how could you not know Moses zimbai has gone? Two, what difference did you think Moses Zimbai was going to make?
0: No, I was going to say if he's still like, okay, he slots in and plays a role at 5'8, but nothing's moving for that team. And I just think they're on the way down.
1: So we're in agreement there.
0: They're not looking good. Not looking good.
1: Dragons. Now, I I can't work out what's going on with the Dragons. I think they're going to tread water. They lost eight in a row to end the season. They lost Paul Vaughan. Moses Sully, if they do end up with him, I think that'll be a good pickup. I, I think the jury's out on Anthony Griffin for me, though. But the Dragons are another one, right? I think it's hard to judge because they, they, they
0: looked. They had flashes at the start of the year at times. But towards the end of the year, I don't know if... The, the barbecue thing was a big deal, right? I actually think the Dragons will will tread water in where they are. I think they'll hover around the eight. You know, if the eight is still poor, they might sneak in with a few lucky wins. But I don't think they're going to be one of the worst sides.
1: No, I don't think... I think they'll be where they are. I think they've got no hope of making the eight.
0: Yeah, like they're going to be a 10th or 11th... Place team. That's right. But, you know, Jack DeBellin will be better next year as a mobile prop.
1: Maybe they can go into the wild card. They games. can.
0: They'll be one of the wild cards. Ben Hunt, I thought, was pretty good this year. I did too, as
1: well. I did too.
0: The young kids that they have coming through, like Amone and all these guys, I think they're good. They are still. Very, very young. Like they're not going to be ready for another three years. You know, yeah, Um, to be consistent week to week. So dragons, I think, will have again flashes next year, but I don't really see them doing better than what they are. So I think 10th or 11th next year
1: for sure, but probably brighter signs for some of the future possibly. Okay, so I disagree with that. I think Anthony Griffin'll get sacked next year. I don't think there's brighter signs for the future. Okay. Cuz where's the brighter signs? You've got three young players, four young players there. I
0: suppose they're 18, 19, aren't they? What are you expecting? So what are you going to
1: yeah. do? Yeah, like I just I just yeah. don't don't get it. I, I, another team that I think will tread water is the Warriors As my next team on my list um, I think the Warriors will tread water Because there's a likelihood they could be playing out of Australia again um, Which is good and bad, right? Because they've built a roster yep. around Australian-based players But if they go home Then I wonder if those players will want to live in New Zealand
0: They probably won't come back Well, <laughs> well, well who
1: knows, yet? right? Who knows, right? So th- there's all that sort of stuff I do think they've got some They did make progress this year under Nathan Brown Defensively, they're a lot better They were a lot better this year They just need to play a bit more natural footy Yes, I agree with that which the rules suit But I think there are, they're going to be hovering around the same level as the Dragons next year But but with a, bright, with a brighter future than the Dragons, if you know what I mean
0: Yeah, I think we've spoken about how it's difficult for the New Zealand team Yes, most of their players are based here But hopefully that won't be the situation next year And we'll at least have some kind of opening up There's a base there, like you say They were gritty in a lot of games and hung in But if they're going to play the same type of football The same thing will happen They'll, they'll sneak a couple of wins and they're going to lose a lot of tight ones where they haven't quite got the attacking ability to score tries. But with the Warriors, I think it'll be interesting to see where Nathan Brown takes it. If this was a build-a-base year, he's got to grow on that next year. They'll have Sean Johnson back there again. They'll have Chanel Harris-Tavita. They've got Cody Nicarima. They have Reese Walsh. They've got players that are attacking footballers that know how to create space and, and tries. But you've got to also attack. And for me this year, T, I... My only worry is, is Nathan Brown even going to do that? Because you built your base, but this year he never took the reins off at all, even when they were out of contention for the semi-finals. You know what I mean? He never kind of really let them go. And the one time they did against the Raiders, they tore him apart with RTS and Nikarima and um, Yeah, and that second players, half, so. that
1: second half earlier this season. Remember, they just yeah, they, they just... were
0: at, they ripped them apart.
1: Yeah, but you can't do that every week either, G.
0: No, you can't. But that was the only time in the whole year, other than when they were behind by twenty, that you kind of saw any of it. You know what I mean? So I'm a bit undecided about where they are. But if things stay the same, I think they'll be hovering around the tenth.
1: Can you promise our listeners that you'll remember them with our season preview next year?
0: Yes, I will remember they're in the competition. So I think same same for the Warriors. Yeah. Okay. 9th through 11th, ninth or eleventh, but nine That's
1: ninth or eleventh. That's remarkably specific. I think, is, be, yes. I, yeah, I, think I think they'll be. Yeah, I think I think they'll be eleventh, twelfth. All right. So let's let's do a cut. We've only got three teams to go. That have yep. missed out now. So, so team that's improving in my book is Adam is is the Broncos. I think with Adam Reynolds there, I think Kevy with the new fitness regime they've implemented mid-season they've improved. Payne Haas is the best prop in the league. I think they need another they need a hooker and another partner for Adam Reynolds in the halves.
0: Yes, and it's not going shouldn't be Catoni Stags, but yeah, continue.
1: I agree, I agree, but um, I think and the rumor is they're going to make another play for Reese Walsh at the end of his contract at the end of next year. I think they're on the up though. I'm not sure they're going to make the eight, but they'll be a lot better than what they were this.
0: I'm like you, I'm not sure if they'll make the eight, but I think they're going to be one of the teams that will be around that. With a bit of luck, they will make the eight, but I think they'll probably just miss out because they're still so young. But they've taken a massive leap forward and you're starting to see the players play with a bit more freedom. They're fitter, the Jermaine Asako, Tessie New, Farnworth... Like, they've actually grown and gotten better and become more confident this year. And to be honest, the pressure has been off them.
1: Gee, if they get Josh Hodgson and they got Adam Reynolds there and they got all those youngsters around them,
0: they could get into the eight.
1: They're not a million miles away from a top eight no, position, not at all. right? But they need a hooker. They, they, they're one player short. I agree with the fact that they're one player short at the moment. They
0: need a hooker. And do you know what? I'd keep Albert Kelly around. I thought Albert Kelly played pretty well. And you know what? If he's your partner with Adam Reynolds because there's no other 5'8s and you've got Brody Croft in reserve and an emergency Catoni stags that's not bad that's yeah. not bad i think the broncos next year will be one of the teams that's either sneaks into an eighth or he's there around ninth eighth or ninth i really do i think they've
1: come on a lot they really have i think they'll be a lot better next year as well so another team that i think will be next better next year or heaven help you guys is the bulldogs your recruitment's been outstanding just by sheer talent alone we're going to be better right but but if you're 0 and 5, 5 weeks into the season, the pressure on Trent Barrett's going to be unbearable. A lot of those players are only on 2-year contracts.
0: That's the danger.
1: If you finish 13th next year, 12th or 11th or something like that, you know, this this, this With- there is a lot hinging on these next 2 years for the Bulldogs. If there is if it goes pear-shaped, you could be staring down the battle the, the barrel of 10 years without finals. You're already five years. Having said that, I don't think that'll happen. I think you will improve next year. I think the team's going to be a lot better. You, you weren't a first-grade team for large parts of this year. I think you're a first-grade team next year.
0: I think if all goes well, they will sneak into the eight next year if all the talent stays healthy. No,
1: I don't think you've got any chance of making the... I said if
0: everything oh, goes well,
1: but I, I don't I cannot really believe, believe that you would think you're going to make the eight. You also picked them to finish 11th, and you had one of the worst point differentials up until... The last game against the Tigers, this is, you gave this up. This is my
0: irrational G talking. Oh the my moment, god! The fan like game, what? Right?
1: What? What world do you think you're going to make the eight next year?
0: If I'm irrational G, I think that is very much hoping because what you just said is entirely accurate they were on two years.
1: hang on the way you've done this podcast maybe we should rename this podcast (laughs) hopes and dreams with g
0: correct that's right um it's you know i think they have to have to get very close or at least play an exciting brand of football and see some progress because like you say those Players have only been signed for two years. If you're Matt Burden or Addo Carr and you're on a two-year deal.
1: So who are, who are, who are you going to be Matt better than? you Matt Burden,
0: right? So Matt Burden is obviously who they've identified to build their team around, correct? Yeah. Don't worry about the eight. I'm talking about Irrational G at the moment, right? If you aren't progressing and playing exciting football and you can see some growth in that team, if you're Matt Burden, at the end of that year, don't you just go, F
1: this, I'm out to the Broncos or whoever else? Or the Roosters. But you're, you're irrational G, all right? Who are you going to be better than? You're not going to be better than Easts, the Eels, the Panthers, South, No, Manly, no, no, Or the no, Storm, no, okay? No, so, all no, right, all right, all right. No. So, to make the eight, you've got to be better than the Knights, the Titans, the Sharks, the Raiders, and that's they're probably the contenders. And and maybe the Broncos. And maybe the Broncos, yeah? Maybe the, the Broncos. The teams have been so bad. I understand, but what I'm saying is I don't think it'll happen next year because I think the, the comp will tighten up. They've had 12 months with these rules. The comp will tighten up a little bit, but that is probably going to happen. Yes. So, and then I go, okay, if Mitch Pierce goes to the Raiders and Craig Fitzgibbon's also at the Sharks with Nico Hines and Dale Finucan, they will
0: improve as well. Yes, they will
1: improve as well. Maybe not as much as you guys are going to improve, but I would have them ahead of you. The tight, the tight Titans and Knights are incumbents. The Knights finished seventh two years in a row. I don't see the Knights improving at all. I, I can't see how you make the eight. I could see you finishing eleventh or 10th or something like that and maybe a bit like the dragons this year knocking on the door for a few weeks before falling away but I think it's a big leap to go from last by the by the margin you're last by to top eight but I think you'll get improvement
0: um they have to improve right they've got pretty much a,
1: no that's all right you've
0: got Addo Carr you've got Matt Burton you've got Matt Dufty I mean Matt Dufty Nick Meaney is kind of a wash right you're gonna have Nicola Cottridge can I,
1: can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? I would prefer Nick Meany to Matt Dufty, I
0: reckon. I do as well. I don't understand it. They got Nick Meany on, on a cheap deal, but some of your big players that he shows favouritism
1: to aren't that good. And yeah. I think
0: that's the concerning part. The Luke Thompsons that are first name on a team sheet. Pity, you know, he's also the first name on the missed tackle sheet.
1: Is Kyle Flanagan and Matt Burton going to get you into the eight?
0: ordinarily i wouldn't think so i guess the hope is some of these teams were so bad that you just think even if you improve a little bit you're winning eight games you know what i mean yeah
1: sure but you're you're talking about seventh and eighth. so i reckon next year you've got to be better than the sharks raiders the broncos knights and titans
0: no i think i think with a good season i think you might be right i think a good season would be 11th next
1: 10th 10th 11th i think i think 11th yeah yeah i think that'll be a good season all right
0: I think then, yes, yeah, so, but like you say, there's a danger of that all falling apart very quickly if the team doesn't show progress.
1: We're, we're in a precarious
0: position compared to some of the other very teams. Very precarious.
1: That, that, then, then I think you're in a bit of strife if that happens. So yes. I think there is a lot injuring on the next couple of years for the Dogs. There is. Because look at the way people talk about the Tigers, 10 years without finals. If this next two yeah. years goes bad, and you have to rebuild again.
0: You're looking at another three years. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, all right, last team. Cowboys. Now they've got... So I think I think they've settled on their their halves and spine. So I think they're going to move Val Holmes to centre, have Scott Drinkwater at fullback, and have Chad Townsend and Tom Dearden in the halves. Yes. I just don't think that's good enough. I think they're going to tread water. They've got to sort out the Tom Lolo issue. There seems to be dressing room unrest. There's always dressing room unrest on there. They've lost 11 out of their last 12 games to end the season. I think, I think it's them or the Tigers for the wooden spoon. Do you know what?
0: I think there's a lot of young guys there. They have you know, got a team and got their spine there, but they don't have enough around them to take a massive leap forward. But I think the Cowboys will do okay. I just don't think they're quite, they will grow. I don't think they have enough to constantly win games, but I'm not expecting them to get massively flogged like they were earlier in the year. You know, they probably will be right near the bottom but I expect them to almost be like the Broncos this year, where there's going to be positive signs that they're, they're moving forward. And the reason why I say that is Drinkwater at fullback, I think is going to be excellent. I think so too. It hides a bit of his defensive deficiencies a little bit as well for Scotty Drinkwater.
1: Oh, it's a good thing that they've got Chad Townsend there, who's known as a defensive yes. dynamo. Well, he'll just stand behind
0: him. He'll stand behind Chad Townsend. So when the player busts through, he'll tackle him. But I think Chad Townsend will bring a little bit of calm. And Tom Dearden, there's there's confidence in him to be the half. So
1: Who's going to be the hooker?
0: Reese Robson, I thought at times showed some I agree. How
1: old is Robson now? He's about 23, 24.
0: Is he only 23, 24? I think it just he just looks older. Dragons when he was really young, he, much <laughs> yeah, he looks much older. Jake Granville looks younger he
1: than he him. And God, Jake Granville's been around believe, forever, right? I can't believe Reese Robson's only 23 yes. or
0: 24. I think they've got something. And some of these centres, they're cleaning out their backs as well. They've got a couple of younger people in, the hammers back. So they'll look better, but they're still a little bit too young. Like they probably need another season before they take a little bit of a leap forward. So next year, like you, I think they'll be hovering at the bottom. They'll be around the bottom, but I think they'll, they're will they one of the teams where they look like, hey, they're, they're getting better. That's the best case scenario for the Cowboys, I think, next year.
1: Okay, we. I thought it was important we covered those eight teams because this will be the last time we talk about them this year. Yep. So let's move on after six hours of recording to yeah. the... To <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we actually are now watching the Manly versus Melbourne game on a Friday yeah. night.
1: It's now... It's now um, <laughs> Christmas so we wish you all a Merry Christmas <laughs> week one of the finals okay first up it's the Storm versus Manly I actually think this will be the only game that's in doubt this weekend the Storm are a forty-two favorites Manly are $2.90 outsiders and Manly have seven and a half points start I think Manly are a red hot show in this game I think this is a 50-50 call which way this game goes
0: I'm like you because I I think Addo Carr is integral to Melbourne's attacking game, he has a dodgy hamstring and it's very unlikely it appears as though that he'll play. So if they're missing him and Munster's a 50-50 call as well. If you're Melbourne, do you risk them in this game? Yes. You do. Okay, fair enough. So if they play... Because if
1: you win this, you get a week off.
0: Okay, fair, okay. looking at it from that perspective, yeah. if they play I think Melbourne will win the game. If Adokar and Munster are out...
1: I think, irrespective, Melbourne will go close. Now, Manly. why I, why I think... No, no, no. I think Melbourne will go close to winning this game, irrespective. Yeah, so, Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and the reason why I say that is they've got a very, very good record in Queensland. They've got the experience of being up in Queensland for a long time, more so than Manly or any of the other teams that were able to play from home and last the whole, year. And whole
0: team's recruited from there, yeah. Their
1: whole team's yes, from there. Yes.
0: Um,
1: so that's one. Yeah. I think the other thing is they, more than any other team this year, were able to keep Tommy Turbo quiet.
0: Very true. Yes, that's right.
1: And I think without Tommy Turbo, I don't think they can they can win. Now I think actually in this game, I do think Josh Adokar is important because I'll tell you why. Because he kind of negates Ruben Garrick.
0: He does. Yes, absolutely. The speed matches up.
1: So and then it's a case of well, if you've got Jerome Hughes and Cam Munster, they probably look. Like, I, I think if Munster and Josh Adokar plays, I think man, I think Melbourne might do this more comfortably. If they don't play, I think it's a 50-50 call.
0: Fair enough. I'm going to tip the Storm.
1: I am going to tip the Storm as well, but I, but it wouldn't surprise me if Manly got up.
0: Absolutely not. I think they'll contain Tommy Turbo, but you know, there's always an element now of learning from the first game, where Manly was still in it, despite not probably being well contained, that they throw a few different quirks into their attacking game to throw out the Storm defence. But Josh Schuster's there. They've got a little bit of the X-factor the Eagles. so I think it'll be a great game um, I'm tipping the storm because I like Ryan Pappenheiser's return to form last week I think it was really important you mentioned earlier T he was shaken up with the head knock and he seemed to be back to his
1: I'll tell you the other problem you've got you, you, they normally take three forwards most teams normally have three forwards on the bench um, Melbourne will have Nico Hines and Harry Grant on the bench Yep. so that means they're only carrying two forwards that's two, right two 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 middle forwards
0: yeah, because Brandon Smith will apparently shift to back row if something happens, I guess.
1: Yeah, so but, but they kind of have to, to do that, right? So anyway, yes. okay. So Storm versus Manly. So next up, it's the East versus Eastern Suburbs Roosters versus the Gold Coast Titans. East yes. are $1.25 favourites. Titans are $3.90 outsiders. The Titans have 11.5 points start Uh I think Titans have well done great just by getting here, and I think they will go out this week. I don't think this game will be close, and I think East will win it.
0: I, I can't disagree with that. I think the Titans last year were playing at a scintillating speed and tempo that some, even the Roosters, when they were playing a lot better, really struggled to match up with.
1: But this year, they're a little bit more structured. Having said that, they will send a lot of traffic at Sam Walker when he gets on the field, particularly Dave Fafita did that last when they played. They really ran that channel to him.
0: The issue for me is I think they will attack the certain weak points, but they can, spoken about this, the Titans can fall too much in love with that, running for feeder at people, and they neglect some of the all-around.
1: The Jim Dimmick attack has gone backwards this year.
0: They've, they've let go of some of Jim Dimmicks, you know, so what the differentiator was with him. Is of course, the, of course,
1: he's still the coach, but it's not his fault.
0: No, no, I'm saying they've 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 pared back their game plan. The forwards aren't zinging the ball between each other. And do you think that's passing. Jim
1: Dimmick's fault? You give him a lot of credit when they're attacking no, them. No,
0: no, yeah, of course it is, right? So he's got input into that. So for whatever yeah. reason, they've changed their game plan, and I think that plays into the Roosters' hands because they've got Isaac Liu, they've got Angus Crichton, they've got Jared Warrior Hargraves' back, they've got Takiyahu. Like, these guys are used to this. And if you're going to play it, come at them with a simple game plan, you know what? It's not going to work. Their defense will be too strong. And the, the, unless the Titans play in a totally different way than they have in the last couple of months, and then the Roosters eventually will wear down their defense and they'll they'll, they'll be a little bit too good. So Roosters for me, I don't think they'll flog them unless they get up early and the the Titans kind of just put, put their heads down and sort of give in. But
1: I lean the other way. I don't think it'll be close, to be honest. Okay. Alright.
0: But yeah, Roosters, I think, for sure.
1: Um, next up it's the Panthers versus Souths, and I think three weeks ago this would have been an amazing game, but since Latrell's out, um, I agree with the bookies. Panthers are a dollar twenty-eight favourites. Souths are three dollars seventy five outsiders and they've got eleven and a half point start. I think the Panthers will do this and do it relatively comfortably.
0: I think there's gonna be a little bit of Cody Walker magic because he's just fucking amazing. <laughs> They're not gonna be able to stop the yeah, attack. I can't see them stopping the Panthers attack. The Panthers sharpened their, their attacking Sword against the eels last week, and let's be honest, like Campbell Graham on the side, he can be turned easily. You got Matt Burton running at him; that's a problem.
1: I don't think that's. I, I'm not worried about I Matt do. Burton. I don't. Th- I'm not worried about the Campbell Graham Matt Burton matchup. I just don't think defensively around the Souths have been poor defensively all year. They've just been outscoring teams.
0: Yeah, that's what we were talking about before. It was been too easy. That's not for down
1: them. to Campbell Graham. I, look, no, no. I, yeah, and and it's I, not I, Campbell Graham's actually, fault. Not that. Yeah, I so I think no matter how many points they score, I think the Panthers have a really good defence, and I think South yes. don't, and I think that's the biggest difference in this game.
0: It is, and that's what I mean. Like the, What I meant by highlighting Campbell Graham is that that's where they can be pin- weak a little bit. I think Campbell Graham's a fantastic player, but he's tall, right? So his turning circle sometimes takes a yeah, bit of time. Yeah, but that's not... So
1: can I just say, I don't, think that's, I don't think that's Matt Burton being amazing. I think that's the players inside him, and in particular, Jerome Luai putting him into space.
0: Yes, and so the, the Penrith's attack comes down that left-hand side. So it, it's going to overload South's defence, I think, on that side. and they'll, they'll, I think they'll
1: struggle to contain the Panthers' attack. Basically, the whole competition comes down to whose right-edge defence is going to be better. <laughs> Actually, yes. Because does. for right-handed players, it's easier to pass the ball uh, right to it left. It does, yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole competition Adoka. comes down to that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so. And that, keep, that means Parramatta's in really good stead.
0: Yes, of course. Souths, I don't think, are going to be able to hold them out. And, you know, the Panthers' defense will be a little bit won't allow them to score 40 points. No, correct, correct. I agree with that.
1: All right. Last game on Sunday and the end of this epic podcast, which may be our longest one of the year.
0: You know, quick question about the Souths game. I think an X factor we didn't mention is. if Damien Cook has got to be ultra-aggressive and he probably needs to play his best game of the year for yeah. South, I think, to have any chance.
1: Well, Damien Cook's only played, like, four good games in two years. Yeah, he's got to tear up that
0: Panthers defence in the middle of the field and break it apart. But I, I, other than that, I just don't think without Luttrell, South can't do this.
1: Api Corusel usually plays really well against Damien Cook. Probably because he wanted to play for South. Probably, yeah. I'm, yeah okay. <laughs> he's probably angry. yeah. All right, last game. Mighty Eels against the Newcastle Knights. $1.37 favourites, the Eels. Newcastle are $3.10. Newcastle have eight and a half points start. They. I can't pick them after the way the Knights played with a full-strength team on the weekend. Should and they the Knights don't Knights score any points. The Knights <laughs> no, they finished. Don't. They finished seventh with the l- fifth... And they were ranked fifteenth in the comp for points scored this year. They just, they, I don't think they can score enough points.
0: You know what? The 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 facts or the stats basically support what we've been saying all year. That the Knights are usually gritty. They hang in games, but they just didn't quite have. The attacking ability to win those games, right? But they've kept it tight for a lot of, you know, sixty or seventy minutes of the game. And the stats bear that out, to be honest. So I mean the fact that being a dogs fan watching the Bulldogs struggle to even score a try at times and the Knights were in the eight and they were and their point scoring was that poor, that's that disparity is too large in the semis. The defense is tightened, para's gonna be fired up. They got no chance at all. Zero. I I I don't know if this will be a flogging because I think Newcastle will again be gritty. Yeah, I think they'll I be gritty. I don't think there's any way Parramatta loses this game. For me, the interesting thing is what Parramatta are we going to see after that break? Are we going to see the Parramatta against the Storm um, with that variety in attack? Or are we going to see a different Parramatta again?
1: I don't know. I don't know. But um, now that we've both picked the Eels, I think all our listeners should go put some money on the Newcastle Knights. So... With with my tipping, yeah. Yeah, after your tear to finish fourth last. So, listen. You know
0: what's funny, right? Is Whenever we do the tips at the end of the week, you're usually like, hey, I reckon they'll win. And I sort of go on about who's going to win or lose. I hope no one was listening to me the whole year. Because your tipping would be terrible. Just do the opposite.
1: You know what, G? What I will give you is, do you think... Week 25 is the week that you should give people that advice?
0: Probably not. This should yeah, be a disclaimer at yeah. the start of the year. Yeah, correct. <laughs> please, do, please tip the opposite yeah, of any recommendations. Yeah. I would have
1: saved this for the first pod next year, personally. But yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. That brings us oh to the end God. of this epic, epic end of regular season and preview of the finals pod. It's now 2 a.m. <laughs> on Tuesday, the 24th of December thank you thank you g thank you once again for joining us there's only four games this week and given your how busy you are in lockdown we're hoping you can watch at least one of them
0: thank you very much it's always a pleasure it's a good end to the day bantering with mr t
1: g g i'm not a psychologist thanks for joining us (laughs) okay and we'll see you all next week
0: medicare checks in the mail t i just got to drop my um, laptop off to the courier i'll be back soon
1: see ya see ya